Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome back to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thanks so much for being with us here for episode number 85 here on monday june 11th 2018 i of course am joe Murata, and here to romp through the world of retro wrestling with me as always is mr michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy doody welcome back good to see you yep another week here another we go week. we're gonna romp through the world of retro wrestling michael Yes, we are. It's going to be a romping time. <laughs> it's going to be such a romping time. Folks, before we get to all of our romping good topics here, I want to remind you, if you haven't yet, go follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is OVPPodcast at gmail.com. But the best place to interact with Quinn and I and a bunch of other retro wrestling fanatics is our Facebook group, Michael. Yes, over at uh, Facebook.web.icapro or whatever. <laughs> It's a, it's a great little website. Uh, have you ever heard of it, Facebook? Yeah, I've heard of it. Well, over there, you go in their little search bar in the top right corner. You yeah. type our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast, and then you can get in the group. You just hit join. We'll let you in. We'll let you in as soon as we see the thingy. Yeah, we pretty much are right on top of that at all yep. times. If you have a Facebook and you like retro wrestling, join the group because we're very welcoming, Quinn. Yeah, it's very, very welcoming, and there's all sorts of fun stuff there. Even if you're just lurking around, there's yeah, lurk. L- there's links and gifts and all sorts anecdotes, of stuff. Trivia. With, yeah, anecdotes. All sorts of stuff that is about retro wrestling. Yeah, it's a really great time. So we recommend you join it. That's our vantage point. Retro Wrestling Podcast Discussion Group on Facebook. Quinn, there's a few shows that we are very good friends with that we like to give a shout out to every single week. Sure. Yeah. One of them is the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. I happen to be wearing one of their t-shirts right now. It's yes, a, you are. It's a great show. It is hosted by two guys who actually work in the wrestling business, unlike Quinn and myself. And uh, one of them is form- well, current independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus, Mean Mike Crockett. And each week he is joined by a current professional wrestler, a veteran of the New England Matt Wars. Yes, those Matt Wars. <laughs> and currently in Ring of Honor, yep. the kingpin, Brian Malonis. Yes, the Wine City Whaler <laughs> the himself. Wine City Whaler. Uh, I'm still pushing. Nah, I don't uh, think he's taken with that nickname, Quinn. I, well, you know, he asked for her name suggestions, yeah, and know. I'm going to get this through eventually. Right. <laughs> now, at some Ring of Honor show, one day, people will chant Wine City Whaler. I hope so. You can thank me for that one. All right. Okay. So thank Michael Quinn for that. But check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. They bring a unique perspective. They've worked in the business. They're fans as well. You'll get some retro talk, some current talk, state of the business. They'll interview guys sometimes. Really great show. Another one to check out is Greetings from Allentown or GF Allentown. Now, that is a one-man, a lonely little island of a show. And it's fantastic. And it is hosted by our little brother, Quinn Petey Winson. Yes, little Petey. I love that show a lot. The last one I was listening to, it uh, opened with the ALF Season 3 intro. Specifically Season 3 because it had the sax in it. Um, (laughs) I know that wasn't mentioned on the episode. Well, there you go. I knew it was Season 3 because that's the only one with that. And that's the type of stuff you get out of Peter Winston there. He mixes a review of an old wrestling show with personal anecdotes and stories both current and past and also pop culture references a little sports a little hockey a little baseball yeah. it's a great time that is greetings from allentown gf allentown check it out and also 
check out Book in the Territory with Mike Mills, another great show where they go through Smoky Mountain and sometimes the NWA and a bunch of other stuff south of the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah. That is Book in the Territory with Mike Mills. There's a bunch of great shows for you to check out after you listen to this one, of yeah. course. He's like the southern version of us. He kind of is. He does a great job at it. A little less professional, as he says himself. Right. To flip it around. Yeah. He, we're usually the northern version of him. Yep. You get it? I do get it. You got it? And another thing, and there'll be more information later on this, but you can donate if you want to at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. And we do have merch. There's new merch. New merch. The OVP black logo T is available at teespring.com slash OVP podcast. That is T-E-E spring dot com slash OVP podcast. If you want to pick up a shirt and support the show, we would really appreciate that. But even if you don't, we love you anyway. Now, I want to mention something, Quinn. We've been talking this this season. We're midway through the season now. Yeah. And I'd say our business has been very successful. You see, Quinn and I, before the season started, we took on a new career. We decided to become... Yeah, you know we did, Quinn. We decided to become professional wrestling investigators. You know, we wanted to really... Get on the case, if you will, about certain unsolved mysteries in the world of retro wrestling's past. And this is a little segment we call On the Case. You're on the case. On the case. You're on the case. You're the detective now, kid. And nothing's stopping you. There's justice to be served. So serve it. The year was 1999 in the fall. WWF head writer Vince Russo and his partner Ed Ferrara made a shocking jump from the World Wrestling Federation to Ted Turner's WCW. With the intent being of turning WCW around and fixing its ratings to compete with the World Wrestling Federation. However, this endeavor was deemed rather unsuccessful and less than two years later, WCW would be out of business. A rumor has persisted that one Vincent Kennedy McMahon sent Russo and Ferrara to WCW to sabotage the company. Quinn and I wanted to get on the case about this subject. Now, this is one of the more like yeah. interesting rumors, Joe. It is. I think it's, it's a rumor that persists to this day. I don't think a lot of people are sure. Mm-hmm. Because it seems so perfect okay. how it all worked out. It, it is a little suspicious. It's a little fugazi, yeah. if you will. Now, Quinn and I are going to investigate this, and we'll start in the fall of 99. WWF's mm-hmm. ratings were fantastic during this period of time. Yeah, no shit. They had never had ratings like they did in 99. If I'm not mistaken, 99 was amazing for television ratings. Regardless of what you think of the creative. It stunk. You did some bad stuff there, Quinn. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, bro. But the ratings were fantastic. WCW, on the other hand, was not. Now, they were still doing great ratings for now. Yeah, I mean, better (laughs) than now any show, basically. But the name of the game back then was competition. And there was still Monday Night Wars going on. WWF had been winning for well over a year, a year and a half by this point. Clearly, always winning. Had the hotter product, the better product in a lot of ways. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! But when Russo and Ferrara jumped there in the fall of 99 in October, things started to change in WCW, Quinn, and not for the better. No. They started to WWF Jr. it up. Yeah. What we're going to do is we're going to take Hoovy's pinata. We're going to hang it high above the ring. We're going to give each of you sticks. Whereas WCW had always been, at its best especially, an alternative to 
right. WWF, right? Yeah, it was, it was different. It was actually like a competitor and right. different. <laughs> right. It was something like, hey, I want to watch this instead, instead of, of this, this because it's different. What Vince Russo did is took all of his WWF crap yeah. And put it in WCW form. And I'm talking, you know, your racier, quote unquote, angles. Right. Things on a pole. Hardcore matches. Hardcore matches. Faster matches. Yeah. Less in-ring emphasis and more backstage emphasis. Which is weird for WCW because their whole cell was like, this is a sport. And right. It's the greatest sport. <laughs> so in the history of our sport. The king of sport. And Russo and Ferrara lasted as a team, or Russo's first run lasted only until January of 2000. He then came back in April of 2000, yeah. teamed with Eric Bischoff, and they did their bullshit for a while, and Russo was gone. Was, the, that, the, was that the official That was the reboot, reboot. yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm told that there's going to be a change in direction. A change that I knew sucked. And then Russo was gone by September of 2000, I think. So he wasn't even there a year total. Okay. How do you think this could have possibly been true that Vince McMahon would get rid of a guy that had allegedly brought him a lot of success the past two years or so and dump him off in WCW when WWF was already winning and kicking their asses at the time? I don't know if I really believe it. Okay, like, um, That's the thing. I don't. <laughs> However, the way it all played out is what's suspicious about it is okay. because it's a little too nice and neat that Russo goes there and that is really the straw that breaks the camel's back for like literally everything collapses. Could it just be that Vince Russo was that bad? <sighs> That's the thing is I don't think Russo was that bad. I just think that he didn't have the right people to help him uh, implement like his McMahon? ideas. And, yeah, the right filters, if you will. That's always the story is that Vince McMahon was the great filter the filter needs a filter. The snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> now, if you ask Vince Russo, he's going to say that it, that Vince McMahon was not a filter, and Vince had plenty of bad ideas also. The World Bodybuilding Federation Championship! The thing is also, is you have to remember, and I, I learned this from watching the uh, Bruce Pritchard and Conrad, but like the one about Vince Russo on the network, is that it really was like a team. Sure. Not all ideas were Vince Russo. Not all good ideas weren't Vince Russo. It this was is like, true. Like some good ideas were his, some were Bruce, Bruce's. some were Cornets. Like Vince they, himself. Vince himself. Pat Patterson. It was kind of like a collective effort, right? And that is one thing that WCW was not known for is teamwork. Right. Backstage. Exactly. Russo said multiple times that he had to, you know, fight for some of his ideas. The political BS took place in the back to bring Vince Russo down. Well, he's dealing with the likes of, you know, Mr. Powerful Hulk Hogan. Right. He's dealing with Kevin Nash and his right. influence, right? He's dealing at a period of time with Eric Bischoff also in, in 2000. And then you have some of Sullivan's ideas probably mixed in. And Terry Taylor and guys yeah. like that. Yeah. And a lot of different egos and high-paid egos, nonetheless. Well, the difference is the performers were the bookers, too. So That's like, the thing. Like, that's the other thing is that in WWF, the, the people who were the bookers or creative, they were removed from, other than Vince McMahon himself, was no, removed different. from, like, the actual product. Now, the thing is, though, Quinn, what's interesting is WWF went on to get better, arguably, in 2000 than they were in 99 without Russo. Yeah, <laughs> And WCW... True got worse now he did spike the ratings a little tiny bit but at the expense of throwing away pretty much anything that was ever good about wcw yeah. uh, here's the thing if, if, when you say wwf got better it did 
sort of. Creatively, it did. I think creatively, they know. never they never were at what Russo's idea. Oh. <laughs> I still say that 96, that late 96 to 98 is one of the, it's the best creative period I've ever seen in I, a company. It's very good, but I think 2000 gives it a very Why? good run for its money. Just because, because Triple H Everything was good in 2000. It was one of the best years of WWF. I wouldn't say it was creative and innovative as much as it was just building off of what was already done. Well, fans, let us know your vantage point on that. But in the meantime, Quinn, let's let's think about this here. If this were to be true, yeah. you're telling me that Vince McMahon calls Russo and Ferrari into his office and, hey, pal. Hey, got, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're going to make this fictitious line about Russo's family. Get a nanny. And Ferrara's just like, hi, I'm Ed Ferrara. And because yeah. <laughs> no one cares about Ed Ferrara. Yeah. I was part of the creative team. Who cares? You mean to tell me that Vince was like, all right, Vince, I'll go to WCW, but you have to pay me $1,000 a week for the next 25 years to keep my mouth shut. Because why would Russo never say anything? Well, this is the thing that's weird about it to me is um, this is Vince Russo essentially sacrificing his career his legacy his legacy and his career because he couldn't get a fucking job after that well, tna that's about it yeah but i'm saying literally like, but they wouldn't even hire him like on an official capacity like remember <laughs> he was like an advisor or something an advisory capacity right Rona. yeah like so literally his career is fucked and like vince can't hire him back because then he he loses face because he's hiring back the guy that allegedly destroyed wcw so you're telling me that like Russo is to this day getting like under the table payments from Vince McMahon out of like yes because it was part of the master plan to take down WCW. If this happened, look, I've seen Russo. He had a nice home in the woods in Indiana, and now he lives back in Colorado. He's got to be getting a lot of money from somewhere. It's got to be from Vince McMahon if this is true. Listen, I know you're you're being facetious. I am being facetious, but he is suspiciously does have like a lot of money. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, considering he hasn't really worked full time in wrestling yeah. in almost twenty years, he's got a pretty nice house TNA. for a guy that like hasn't really <laughs> podcast yeah, for a living. Yeah, and they're not even good quality. And you can tell everybody they gave you five stars. I don't know. There, There is a little bit of... There's a reason why this rumor seems to persist, no? There is. But here's uh, my counter-argument to that. Right. Is that WCW already sucked in 1999, and they didn't need Vince Russo's help to suck more. Hmm. WCW was already trashed by 99. We've watched stuff from before Russo was there in 99. It was already going downhill. I see you get out of a black Hummer and grab Rick Steiner. What's with that? But to play devil's advocate, Joe, I mean, maybe Vince looked at it and said, yeah, they're getting worse, but they're still treading water. Kick they're them when not, they're down, they're basically. Not, they're not even kick them when they're down. Just drive them over the edge. Give them horrible ideas to really just spike it. Just no more. So you mean pinatas on a pole? Yeah. You mean Oklahoma? Right. You mean Medusa cruiserweight champion or whatever that Right. Was. Just the most wackadoodle stupid shit and just like... They were already getting worse. Maybe Vince feared, well, they'll figure it out probably because eventually, you know. But if I have an inside man, he can make sure they never figure it out. It is suspicious, too, that Bischoff was let go in September of 1999 or right. was reassigned or whatever he says. And then Russo somehow comes in right afterwards. Very interesting timing how Russo was just ready to come right in. Yeah. Well, and fuck things up. Russo says that Eric was already talking to him. Really? Yes. In the like, fall of 99. He got an offer from him. 
Yeah. Hmm. Like, so that's Russo's story. I'm just saying. I think it's a coincidence that Bischoff was like fired and everything. That was from other shit. Now, what did Samu have to say about this? You know? I don't know. Samu, he's always he involved watching. He was in that meeting, I think, with, with Russo, Ferraro, and Vince McMahon. He was like eating like <laughs> peanuts or something in the corner. Or... Salted or unsalted? Maybe salted. He seems like he'd be a or salted peanut. Or maybe pistachios. Because I think Vince's office would have a better nut selection. Pistachios, maybe maybe cashews. Yeah. Macadamia. Ooh, macadamia nut. Now, do you think Samu would eat the the whole shell of the pistachio? Because he is a wild Samoan. No, because this is just like real life Samu. Oh, okay. Where he's just like, he's hanging out eating snacks. Maybe they got some ruffles or something in the corner. Any dip? Maybe dip. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm just thinking. French onion dip, I'm thinking probably. you're sitting there all day. You got to right. munch on some stuff, you That's know? That's true. Yeah. What do you think there was to drink? Gatorade or something like that? In Vince's office? Yeah. Well, I'd say Vince has like a liquor cabinet. And, oh, definitely. And he has like a selection of maybe juices or something because he's a health nut. And and a coffee machine. Yeah. Definitely, right? Right, like right. A, a nice coffee machine yeah, like, in there. Yeah, I'd say those would be the three selections of, of beverages okay. to go along with your macadamia nuts and your pistachios. Your, your ruffles. Your ruffles. <laughs> and your French onion dip. And your French onion dip, yeah. Good dip. <laughs> maybe later you'd like a handful of ice cream. So I think, obviously, that this is not true. I think what really happened here is partially what Vince Russo says, that he didn't want to work there anymore. He was overworked doing SmackDown, which had just started right. a little bit before. And he wasn't getting paid more for SmackDown, by the way, yeah. which is, listen. If you Pritchard, do more work, Pritchard, you should get paid Yeah, more. Pritchard was such an asshole on that show. He was like, hey, it's part of the job, pal. Like, if you don't want to do it, fuck you. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> he's literally doing Double the work. Right. That's not how work works, right. you idiot. Like, like it, it shouldn't. No, yeah. <laughs> not in our capitalistic society. Yeah. That is. I think what happened is that he saw an opportunity there. Bischoff was yeah. out, or Bischoff was trying to get him anyway. He figured, hey, I could do this over here too, and put things on a pole. Yeah, you know, and it didn't work because a. WCW sucks anyway by that period of time. Uh, Vince Russo is not that good. He's, again, okay. He's a piece of the puzzle. Exactly. That made it good. And but, he had a lot of good ideas. Maybe there was a lot of real good stuff that came out of him, but a lot of his other ideas were turned down. Right. Because that, then instead they do maybe Bruce Pritchard's ideas or somebody else's ideas. That is the one thing yeah. is that we don't know the full truth on what Russo wanted to do that he wasn't able to do. Right. There might have been good well, things. I'm not, listen, I'm, this is how I envision it from what has been explained on multiple things. Yeah. It's like, you got all these guys pitching ideas, mm -hmm. Vince takes the best ideas, and you can only fit so many in a show. Yeah. So then on top of that, like, maybe you have a good idea and it gets cut from the show. Right. You know what I mean? Like, And, and then, then it, it becomes this weird, like, product of all these sort of ideas. And then some of the other creative people like Pritchard and maybe some of the wrestlers themselves help fine-tune some of these good ideas. Right. Whereas in WCW, everyone pretty much hated everybody. There was a bunch of different cliques. Nobody wanted to work together. Nobody liked Vince Russo to begin with, really. Right. The wrestlers that liked him were the guys that Russo wanted to give a shot to. Right. You know, like guys like Booker T and Jeff Jarrett for some godforsaken reason. I don't. But people Jeff like Jarrett. that, Disco Inferno. I like yeah. him, though. I know, I know. You he's, like a, he's, a good, he's a good character actor, if you will. Like, if you were like to describe him as like a, yeah. like a a sitcom star. He's a character actor. Yeah, he's a good character actor. So Samu notwithstanding Quinn and the Macadamias and all that, what do you really think? Do you think the truth is just the truth? I can't see Vince getting rid of a guy if Russo was successful. Th th that's why it's a paradox. It's like, if he knew Russo was good, why would he want to get rid of him? If he thought Russo was bad, why did he have him? Okay, I can explain a little bit of that paradox. All right, just, let's... just in a brief second here. But the thing is, Russo had a reputation he was the crazy idea guy. Yes. Like the off the wall, like mm -hmm. the guy that 
pushed for the more extreme direction. Yeah. So maybe by that reputation, he was the best guy to send over. Hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? And Vince sends him over and says, just use all of your worst ideas. Crap on the legacy of WCW. Yeah. Really Vince, drive it I'll into the ground. I'll fucking help you. If you like, get fired, it, I'll pay you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think what really happened is Russo's just not that good and WCW wasn't that good either. <laughs> yeah, or Russo was burned out. I don't really, I don't like to shit on Vince Russo. I, That's because you are at, him. No, but I look at that point in his life and I see what he had been through. For doing I'm, that nonstop for three years. Right, and I'm like, this guy had to be fucking tapped out. Like, he didn't give a shit anymore. And honestly, there's only so many times you can, you know, reheat a souffle, if you will. Yeah, exactly. There's only so many things you can do and so many ideas you can have. Right. In all seriousness. That's why creative people in wrestling, they don't last long because, you know, you get everything out there that you want and then you're like, ah, this is every single week forever. Yeah. Like, yeah. to the end of time. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And you're also dealing with real people that have to agree to what you want to do. Right. Yeah. And what happens is either you enter a rut yeah. And if there's someone to take up the slack, they'll take up the slack. Yeah. Or you enter a rut, nobody's around to help you, and you never rebound from that, which is, I think, what happened to Vince Russo. Yeah. I don't think he never had a good idea in his head ever again. No, it was just, you know, he his reputation had really been sold. I think he never really truly got the opportunity ever again. Maybe not. I, I really truly believe that WCW soured his reputation, like, unfairly. Partially, fairly, yeah. because he did, some things that he did are inexcusable. Right. But I'm saying, like, it doesn't mean this guy is garbage and forever. It, yeah, because it's like, well, he did think of like Pillman's got a gun and all that he, shit. Like, he had some great ideas yeah. in his time, and he had some very bad yeah. ideas in his time. But folks, let us know what you think this case should be marked as. Is it closed? Did Russo sabotage WCW? Or was he just a guy that kind of ran out of ideas and didn't have that many to begin with? Let us know. You can do that by tweeting at us by going to the Facebook group or send us an email. But Quinn, when we come back... Well, first of all, we got to go to the airport. I guess I'm driving or you want to drive? Nah, well, I'll figure it. We'll all figure, right, it out we'll figure that out in the car. way. Yeah. When we come back, we've got a very special guest that we just have to get him through customs. And he'll be joining us for a very special Mount Rushmore in Death Valley. That is coming up right after this. This is just a flat old tater chip. It's just flat. It's just tater. It's just an old chip, but not this. It's a new Cajun spice ruffle potato chip. Look at them ridges full of cayenne pepper, onion, garlic, paprika. Oh, this is Cajun spice. Ain't nothing flat about it. Hmm. Try new Cajun spice ruffles brand potato chips with a feisty, spicy bite in every crunch. It's the new taste that won't leave you mm. flat. Oh, boy, they want them without guarantee. Hi, this is Jameson. Remember me? Yeah, me neither. You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here on episode number 85, June 11th, 2018. Hey, Quinn, what a ride back from the airport. Wow. That, all that traffic that was <laughs> from Newark. Yeah, I know. It was yeah. rough. We finally got him through customs. He yeah. was detained for a while. Well, you know, and all the wrestling belts. You know, all the, the memorabilia yeah. trying to smuggle yeah. into the country. Right. But he's here, everybody. Welcome back to the show for Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. It is the hardest working man in Italy, a longtime supporter of the show, and... He might know a guy that knows a guy, if you know what I'm saying. Hmm. It is Mr. Filippo Festuccia. How you doing, Stooch? Hey, guys. I'm doing great. And yeah, I'm the only hardworking guys in Italy. <laughs> yeah. as, com as common knowledge would tell you. I know. Well, somebody's <laughs> got to cook that pasta. 
Aww. Yeah, I, I do have to say I have one minor complaint. I really liked it better the other time when I landed at La Guardia. Ah. <laughs> La Guardia. Well. La Guardia, exactly, because it's fun to say. <laughs> I'm sorry, maybe next time, okay? In a few yeah, months yeah. from now, we'll book you for La Guardia. Now, Filippa, you were here prior. What Rushmore was that again? That was Royal Rumbles. It was the Royal Rumble matches. Yep. Okay. But this time, folks, we are here with our good Italian stallion friend here to do the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of... Rick Flair Fuse. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Nature Boy! Woo, woo, Nature woo. Boy! Now, this was actually a request by Nick Lewis, but Filippo actually picked this one, did you not? Yeah, I did. Ric Flair is uh, obviously one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. I think we'll, all three of us will agree on that. Oh, uh, yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. I'd say he's pretty good. Yeah. I know someone who disagrees. Yeah, well, I know a few people who do. I think he's sitting yeah. over there and talking right now. I like, <laughs> I like Ric Flair. Uh, Bret Hart certainly disagrees. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. He's garbage. Always had the same matches. <laughs> <laughs> but Flair had uh, so many memorable feuds, whether they were good memorable or bad memorable. Mm-hmm. The one thing you can say is Flair feuds were memorable. So, uh, Pasta Primavera over there, why don't you give us one of your favorite Flair feuds? Okay, so just because I love the two men involved and because it probably will come up in Death Valley as well, at least it's something that I want to talk about, I'd say Flair and Sting, their mm. first one, late 80s. Yes, I agree with you uh, that that was a great feud. What do you like about it? Uh, I think it's just the best way to use Sting is as, as this uh, shining babyface powerhouse. And it's also the best way to use Ric Flair. He's overpowered, he's outmatched, but he still outsmarts mm-hmm. Sting every step of the way. You don't walk out here in front of the whole world and for one second try an intimate that you think you're ready for me. I will make that decision. It got comical later in the 90s where Sting got betrayed All every time. month. 45 so. times, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But that was still fresh, and uh, it, it set up a, a great dynamic with two, the, the two icons of the uh, Jim Crockett promotions, essentially. Well, I don't know if I would put that at best only because are we separating out the initial feud? Because I feel it's like it diluted to the point of like Death Valley territory. It was like a back and forth thing. I mean, the 88 version, yeah. Clash of the Champions won, right? Yeah, it's the first clash. During WrestleMania 4, the right. same day. And two of the greatest heavyweight champions! That was great. I right. mean, that, that era of it. I mean, they fought on the first Nitro, and then they fought on the last Nitro, if you recall. They kind of like... Yeah, they also fought at Halloween Havoc, which somebody <laughs> on the board was 90? like, that was the best thing or ever or something. 90? No, so Halloween what? Havoc, like, 95 or something. Did or they 90, really? Ni- the one, oh, yes, because he got betrayed. The one where the Yeti comes. <laughs> like, yeah. It's the Yeti! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, those two were, were like, the... I hate to use this comparison, but it's the first one that came to mind. The Cena and Orton of, like, the 80s and 90s. Meaning they always yeah. fought. Well, they were, like, the bedrock of WCW. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Even when, when all else failed, you had Flair, you had Sting, and they could still, you know, get you a, a good house, a good TV show, a good match, a good story. Good match. Good match. And, and the match, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that's a fair one. Quinn, do you have one in mind? We'll put that on the table, though, for sure. I'm going to put one that I think is actually, believe it or not, one of Flair's best, and it's the most emotional one oh, for me. Oh, God. Ric Flair versus retirement. Mm. You know, and at the end of his career, the whole leave the memories alone. Yeah. I've never in my life, like, cried at a wrestling thing, but, like, 
Jeez, that was ridiculous. Of like, all things. It was so impactful every An step of the way. old man stops pretend fighting and Quint's crying. <laughs> That's just because of your flair hate flip. But I like, hate what, flair. What, what do you think of that? I think, first of all, you're stretching the definition of feud here, but it's fine. I love yeah, but, it. I mean, it was. It was because McMahon challenged him. He, he said, if you don't win, you have to win every one of your matches or you're out. Like yeah. that, basically. So it was essentially a Ric Flair versus retirement. Yeah, yeah. It still works. It wasn't a one-on-one rivalry with a, with another in-ring competitor. But um, I think it, it was a bit too long, maybe. So I guess it started too early because the it finished at WrestleMania. That was perfect. Yeah, I think it was like three months. I think around Royal Rumble time, McMahon said, you know, that's it, basically. I think was it? Just three months? Because it, it felt a bit longer because he faced a lot of guys that you, you just know he was not going to retire to. Right. He wasn't formally challenged to like the retirement step till like nearer to WrestleMania. The first match you lose, Rick, your career is over. Yeah? Good. I think one of the things is, is if it had happened a few years earlier, it might have even been better. Yeah, he wrestled a little too long for my liking, and I mean that like at the time, not retrospectively. I was just tired of seeing Ric Flair. But that said, despite Quinn calling me a Flair hater, which I'm not, <laughs> I thought it was classy enough for a retirement angle. Is it one of the best retirement angles you've ever seen? Let's put it that way. It's one of the only real ones where the yeah. guy re- did Flair ever wrestle in like TNA or something like that? Yes, he did. He did after, yeah. But I, I don't well, really consider that real. Well, it doesn't matter if you do. I mean, yeah. it still happened. Yeah, uh, I'd say Sean's retirement is up there with best retirements. But I mean, as far as a flare feud, the first, the second, or the third one, <laughs> <laughs> the one Stop. where he didn't lose the belt clean. Um, okay. See, that's, that's revenge for my flare comments right there. <laughs> I didn't start it. That was Filippo over here. Filippo, what do you think? You want to keep it on the table at least for now? Yes, absolutely. I think it gave us one of the most memorable moments in Flair's career. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that that WrestleMania was actually his great WrestleMania moments. Yeah. yeah. And That's the raw, true. the raw after with the whole like they all, nice. like oh all my. those people yeah. came out. That was that that was the point where I was like tearing up. Because mm. yeah. uh, it seemed real. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was very. Well, like, it was gen- real. Yeah, I just mean it was very genuine. Like it was. Which, it was you classy. don't get a lot of that in wrestling. No, you really don't. It was classy. Yeah. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to go for an obvious one, but I think it it is the epitome of a great Ric Flair feud. It is the mid early mid '80s uh, to a T. What made the NWA great? What made Flair great? And what made this other guy great? And that's Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Yep. Awesome feud there with the the working man, the blue collar, and not the parody version from like the WWF, but he was yeah. a little more but subdued that was like about after it. The yeah, feud was over pretty much. <laughs> he was more subdued about his yeah. like working class nature. But and when Dusty could still really go in the early and mid eighties, mm-hmm. and he was charismatic, and then he had like lovable, but a hard a hard worker and a good fighter, a good wrestler, you know, fighting from underneath. And then you had Ric Flair, the jet flying, you know, kiss deal and wheeling and deal, limousine ride, and you know all that shit with the expensive suits and the loud antagonistic promos. And I don't mind telling you, I was wearing these six hundred dollars custom made lizard shoes. Oh God, his promo at that part was at that point in time was the best. It's it's just the perfect encapsulation of. The upper class versus the working class in wrestling form, better than Vince and Austin, is although that was you know very good, mm-hmm. but it was just such a good and two great wrestlers, two charismatic wrestlers who knew how to work the crowd, and it was perfect for the territories in which they wrestled. 
Yeah, definitely. It, it wouldn't have worked in, in the Northeast at the time. Yeah. But for, the, for that period of time during the Reagan administration, <laughs> the cocaine boom. Greed is good era. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what a feud. Filippo, your thoughts on that one? I 100% agree with you. I think it, it has to get in. I think, you know, Flair maybe had a lot of other great feuds, although I don't think of that level. But uh, for Dusty, that was the highlight of his career. So yeah. it, this uh, is one of the major contributions to Dusty's legend. Mm-hmm. It is. Yes, it is. And uh, and, and, and at the same time, it, it gave uh, every, every baby face that went against Flair later on essentially a little bit extra step because it, you, you were so much against everything that Flair represented, essentially, right, because yeah. it was so far removed from the average wrestling crowd. Yep. It was like the blueprint for every Flair feud post yeah. that. It was. Is anything going to knock that off? I mean, I, to me, that's a clear number one. Even though Sting is good, I think this is the best of Flair's feuds. No, I, I want to say this. I mean, uh, I'll, people forget by 87, that's what brought us the uh, Hard Times promo. It is. And Hard Times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years. 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt, and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's Hard Times. That feud brought in all the things that you know about Dusty Rhodes and it brought in all the things you know about Ric Flair. Like, that's where their origins are. Are we putting it on, guys? Yeah, I think so. I think there's uh, one that could take the spot. I mean, uh, the, this one is going in, in my opinion, but okay. the other one that really helped uh, and it was a bit later on was Flair and Steamboat. Yeah, another great feud. You know, what's interesting, actually, about that one is they had... A 70s feud, a late 70s, early 80s feud. I think for the U.S. US title. title. Yeah. And that was kind of where the seeds were planted for the two of them. And it was similar, but not the same to the Dusty feud in that Flair was still pretty much Flair, a little more flamboyant about it, a little, a little less of the rich aspect, but more of the, the nature boy, quote unquote, I, aspect. I, I got it kind yeah. of thing. Like, and yeah. you don't. I got it and you don't. You're a family man who yeah. cares about that. This is wrestling. Yeah. You've actually shown everybody out here your lifestyle. That type of thing. But then their 89 run. Right. That's the one people My God, with the matches. Yeah. The matches. Yeah. But they are great Lots matches. of stars. <laughs> so many stars. Would you would you say that that one is a little overshadowed as far as a feud is concerned by the actual wrestling? Like, do people remember it because of the yes. feud or do they remember it because of the wrestling? The wrestling, but there's nothing wrong with that, I would say. I mean, it's... There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I think, in that sense, the Dusty feud is better. I think the Dusty feud is better too, Flippa. Uh, I, I agree in the sense that uh, while the, the the feud with Steamboat is is iconic, essentially as a series of very long great matches, what separates it from Flair's work in Japan? Yeah, essentially it's just that that it feels closer to us, right? Uh, but 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 you could pick Flair and 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 Jumbo Tsuruta or or Flair and Tenryu Ferrin, you know, from the land of Meltzer. <laughs> okay, Meltzer, I see what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I did want to bring it up. I think it might make it. Yeah, I think it will too. But I think Dusty's number one. Thoughts? Yeah, Dusty. Dusty for number one. All right. So for number one, Dusty Rhodes. All right. You know what? I'm going to bring up one now. I think it might be my turn if we're still going in order here. Sure. I really like this is a WWF one now. Okay. But I really love the Savage Flair feud. I as, agree. As simple as it is, it's heated. I'm talking about basically from right after Royal Rumble, when Flair's the champion yep. and Savage is the number one contender for some reason. Well, <laughs> not initially. Remember yeah, the paper exactly, and all the that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, 
because Flair was just fucking with him. Right. And it was I had her first. It was very Ric Flair of him to do something like that. Right. And that's his highlight. His whole like arc from ninety two is a highlight for me of his career. And that's the main feud for mm-hmm. me that really succeeded in WWF was the the Savage feud. But they also carried that feud into WCW. Yes, and that's where it gets a little hairy. It gets hairy in WCW. Yes. So what do you think about that, Quinn? Well, what I think about it is that all the good stuff was in WWF for like six months or something yeah. until like, you know, Ultimate Warrior got involved <laughs> and I hate all of that. But um, it's it's up there to me, but it, it's really based on like one match. Um, yeah, they only had one real yeah. match. The stuff in WCW, while I enjoyed it, I liked the Flair woman and Elizabeth yeah, like sure. triangle of terror or whatever. It was fun with the VIP table and like that, Bobby yeah. the Brain with the lady in the audience. Wolf. <laughs> oh. like, yeah. I'm repaying oh. the nature boy. Oh my goodness. Like all that stuff that was all during the Macho Man feud, but right. really it wasn't Macho's best. It wasn't Flair's best either. The WCW version? No. Yeah. The WWF was Flair at his best in right. WWF. I mean, in right. WWF, that in the Rumble. Uh, Filippo, what do you think of the whole Savage Flair affair? I think, well, first of all, just the other day, I was re-listening to the WrestleMania episodes you guys did with, with Scott. And so when when you were talking about uh, that, that, that WrestleMania match, I realized I didn't really remember it at all. So I went back and rewatched it. Because uh, Flair's uh, original WWF run has a bit of a sour taste for me in that mm-hmm. I don't think that they really used... Uh, on one hand, yes, he, he was booked really, really strong. He won the title, uh, did everything he could do. But uh, th- they didn't really use him to uh, the, the fullest of his potential. I agree. For some, for a number of reasons that uh, has to do with the roster, the product, uh, Hogan, everything. <laughs> yep. But uh, Hogan is, is separate from the roster, just his own issue <laughs> to deal with. So I don't know. But but yes, on the WWF part, the WCW part was really entertaining, but it was just, you know, a great character. Yeah. Just be, being great characters. Right. So uh, it was, yes, really, really entertaining. But I would say yes on the, on the WWF feud. Right. Okay. I think it, it was really strong. It was strong. Quinn, do you have any more that you want to bring up here? I'd like to bring up one that um, not a lot of people talk about. It's one that I thoroughly enjoyed when I ran into it a couple of years ago. Um, the Ricky Morton uh, Ric Flair feud. It's one of the best Ric Flair feuds I've ever seen. I know it's short, but it's it's great. So what do you like about it? It's got a little bit of the underdog feel, but it's also got the emotion. Mm-hmm. The idea being that Ric Flair and the Horsemen, they attacked Ricky Morton in the back after mm-hmm. like some house show or something. Right. They slammed his face into the concrete mm-hmm. and he comes back and he has this really competitive match with Flair. And it, it kind of has that that feel of like, you remember when Jericho fought Triple H? In two thousand, in two thousand, it's got this feel of like an underdog thing, and and the underdog doesn't win, but it's just like this, it's this heated good showing, and it, it's unique for nineteen eighty seven when it happens. It's not like of the norm. It's like out of. I, I might be getting the year wrong. Eighty six or eighty seven. It's eighty six or eighty seven. But it, it's just it's perfect. It, it's short. It's, it's only well like a month and a half mm-hmm. or two months. It's great. And you know what, Ricky Morton? You and I'm real happy about you told everybody you were going to be a big deal. Now when you wake up in the morning, tell yourself, I thought I was going to be a big deal, but Ric Flair changed all that around. To me, it's one of the finest pieces of work, and it's one of the more unique pieces of work in Ric Flair's career. You're a piece of work. No, uh, I th- I think in all seriousness that it is a uh, 
a testament to Ric Flair's abilities mm-hmm. in the mid '80s as a performer, as a heel, yeah. to be able to take one half of a tag team. And I know the Rock and Rolls were a big tag team, and they were they over, were, and yeah. they were over, but they were a tag team, right? And to get this guy into a pretty compelling and and well done singles feud, I thought it was great. Right. You know, they, they they had the crowd in the palm of their hands in those did. matches. People were th- believing Ricky Morton was going to pull off the miracle yeah. and and win the world title. Yeah. And and that's that's always to me the mark of the feud's good. The the wrestlers are involved. Are good. Don't I I don't want to shortchange Ricky Morton. He's very good. He's in a that good feud. wrestler. Yeah, yeah and he's, he's good there. Yeah, Flippa, do you have much on that one? Or I, I would say one of the things that made it really believable is that the Rock and Roll Express essentially canonized and popularized the babyface in peril. So Ricky Morton was great at playing the underdog. Yeah, that played. Yeah. And it, it, it did introduce an, an interesting dynamic in that it, you don't see it often that Flair is not the the, the underdog in some way. Right. That was always his, his role of like, he doesn't have the physical means. He's he may, Maybe he's not young anymore because he was 40 and like, uh, what was it, 89? He was already super old. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was always finessing his opponents. Right. Like, quite literally, like, because exactly. he didn't have the... Or the cheating. Goods. Yeah, cheating, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, finessing is a is a gentler way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> so I would say it, it was very very interesting. But it, it, the, the reason why it's really good as a hidden gem it's because it's it's that it's it's a treat that you find if you go digging in Flair's career and you realize oh that was really good too. Uh, I don't know that it was one of the main spotlights. Uh, there is another that I would like to bring up actually. Go ahead. Well, there's two, but uh, one I can just not talk about it and still be fine. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't really care about it. But uh, the other one it was Flair and Vader. Flair and Vader. Well, you mean the one where it's like Charlotte's at his house or whatever? You okay, like, Ashley. Ashley. Yeah. yeah. You okay? Mm-hmm. No, you're not gonna cry. Rick, I'll see you outside. Say goodbye to your family. Uh, that that's really the schlocky trash, yeah. the uh, a, a horrible storyline yeah. in a way, but also really, really, it, 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 everything clicked to perfection. I'd say it's it's the best work that Vader has ever done. Oh, I would say so too. It's a great yeah. match, Starcade match, and it's a great yeah. feud. Um, yeah. It would the the funny thing about it is that it was the Ric Flair bailout plan because Sid had the scissors and stabbed Arn right. Anderson. Yeah, and Sid was supposed to win the title from it, Vader. It was the WCW always like. We don't want to rely on Flair, <laughs> right. but oh no, we fucked up and we have to bring him back to fix everything. Like that's what they did with him all the time. Yeah, but you know what that you know what was great about that feud, that match at Starcade ninety three, what it led to was Flair's last real great babyface run as world champion in ninety four. Exactly. Yep. And it was nice, and he actually rehashed a feud with Steamboat in 94 for yes, a match or two. On, like, Saturday night, it was on yep. regular tel- That was and the appeal was on TV. Yeah. yeah, and that was great, but, yeah, the Vader one's good. I don't... One of the things about Vader is it's he's always Vader, so it's, like, funny to see Flair come up against just... Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I love Vader, though. I love Vader. Yeah. yeah. But there's not a lot of psychology, I guess, on Vader's part. Right, but then it's all in Flair's court in that yeah. case. You so know? The psychology was uh, the, the extra that you had there if, if you were the kind of guy that were uh, that was into that and followed that sort of thing is that uh, Vader was managed by Harley Race. True. That yeah. was the, the, the whole angle, which actually uh, I hadn't thought about Harley Race until now. I feel kind of bad. That's all right. I mean, that feud is <laughs> is whatever because they they threw that together for Starcade '83. Yeah, plus I mean, Gene Kaniski ruins the match with his bad yeah, he sucks too. But <laughs> he yeah, does. yeah. I mean, if you look like I look back at that 
Flair lost it just so he could beat somebody at the main event of Starcade 83. It's literally like yeah. a month or something before the show. It's not that compelling. It yeah. looks better in retrospect. Right. But it's yeah. really not. It looks like this passing of the torch thing that like was so grand. But, but he'd already like, been the champion. Yeah, it was really designed to have Star- the first Starcade end on a high note. Uh, yeah, that's you know? all it was. Yeah. Now, Filippo, you said you had another one you wanted to bring up. Barry Wyndham. Barry uh, Wyndham. Hmm. Yeah. That was 87? Late 80s, yes. Yeah. 88, I think. Again, it, it's one of those cases where it's it's the best work of Flair's opponent, where I think we're on to something here. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe this Ric Flair guy was pretty good. Yeah, maybe a little. <laughs> so, uh, Wyndham really never went even close to, to that, both b- before and after, I would say, that, that feud. That was the, the, the absolute height of his career. Absolutely. Uh, I think it was a good dynamic in that uh, Wyndham was was a good straight man, so he played well off Ric Flair's exuberance. I I don't know that it's more memorable than Steamboat. It's not. There might be even an even more memorable version of that same type of feud. Which one is that? The Von Erichs versus Ric Flair. Oh shit! Good good call. Oh, yeah. You brought that oh, one yeah. up. Yeah, and that leads, that's great. That that feud leads to the formation of the Freebirds. Because yes. Flair leaves the territory after that cage match. Yeah, just thing. a big dick for a while and, and then, then he leaves. <laughs> when Flair comes back after they're done dealing with it and uh, Dave dies and all that, he, then he loses to Kerry Von Erich in like, one of the more emotional finishes. But I mean, Kerry kind of always had this rivalry with Ric Flair, you know? Yeah, and that was that was a real, like, a heartstrings tugger, that feud for yeah. the people there in, war, in the world class ter- territory. Because you know how invested that the people of Dallas were, you know, the wrestling fans of, of Dallas were in the Von Erichs. Right. And to have, you know, David Von Erich, you yeah. know, it's tragically pass away and then Flair, the Ric Flair by that point. You right. Know, he was Ric Flair. Well, Flair would come in and out of the territory. Right. It wasn't the first time he'd face Kerry. No. Obviously, he faced Kerry in the match where Michael Hayes Correct. becomes a free bird. Becomes a free bird. Yeah. Instead of a caged bird or whatever yeah. he was. <laughs> and he had the fluffy mustache. <laughs> but to have Flair drop the title clean and obviously it was just for Angle and Kerry Von Erich was not a long-term champion. No. But for Flair to lose clean, I think to a backslide of all moves, right? To Kerry yeah. Von Erich. In, a, in the, like, hey. a big stadium show. Hell yeah. I, I mean, it was a big event. Kerry's got it. Here's the Nelson Pitt. Two. Three. The dream come true. Yes. Ain't nothing wrong with that feud. That's, that's good stuff there. But I think, guys, we have a lot on the table now. Okay. We've got Dusty on already. Yep. For me, next it's either it's either going to be Steamboat, I think, or Sting. Maybe you can make a case for, but I think it's going to be one of them. What do you guys think? I could go with Steamboat. Yeah, I think um, so. Yeah, there's still another one we didn't even bring up. Well, which, we, okay. yeah, we can still bring on we the table. Also, yeah, but, but um, Filippo, you okay with Steamboat? I am perfectly fine with Steamboat. Yes. Okay, so for number two, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. <laughs> Quinn, what's the one you wanted to bring up? Terry Funk. Oh, yeah, that was a nice Ooh, little ditty there in 89. That, that's that's the result of the, after the Steamboat thing, he attacks him. He was like, a judge, but, right? He was either a judge or was he commentating in that match? I can't I remember. remember. It was he was one, one of, of the other. Yeah. I, and he, like, attacks him in, like, a tuxedo. Yes, like, it's, it's great. And, and they're like, he, doesn't he put him through a table and all this <laughs> shit? Like that. Like, he, it's crazy. It's like, really good. Again, short feud, but yep. it, it's fun as hell, and it, it's flair doing... After coming from this big technical fest, he's going right. into a brawl. He's going with a brawler. Like a proto-hardcore style almost. Yeah. It was pretty and cool. And Terry Funk is like, 
he feels like inches away from that ECW Terry Funk. Like that's the that's the point he's at in his career. He's in the midst already. Like that's where his crazy old man gimmick started to really crop up was the late eighties around right, that period 89, of time. Around eighty nine because he was I think forty five by then. He had retired. I'm I'm not kidding. I think three or four times by then. Yeah, right. I think you're right. And uh, that's a fun that's a fun feud. Any thoughts on that one, Filippo? Uh, I'd say yes, really fun. I don't know that it's the best that that those two could have done. As in, you 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 kind of picture it in your head, and it's and it's even better. So it, it always has this this, this small thing. Uh, but I would say I always loved Flair as a brawler. Um, it did, and this is why I was bringing up the the Vader feud as well because he was obviously could, could not get Vader off his feet for the the, the most part of of those matches. What about his uh, mid two thousands feud with Triple H? Uh, mm, I don't know. <laughs> you can tell, tell, tell to, to me that felt like Triple H wants to be Ric Flair and, and Harley Race. And he wants to he wants to be he, both. He wants to be everybody. Yeah. and he's got to be Ric Flair to prove something. Even though Ric Flair's like sixty. What do you it's like? Look- <laughs> Filippo, what do you uh, what do you like about that? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not gonna try to sell it that much. <laughs> <laughs> Smart move. You know what show you're on. <laughs> yeah. I go ahead though. So no, I, I would say fine. it's, it's uh, t- together with the with the WrestleMania match with uh, with Sean. It's uh, Flair's strongest work post WCW. It got really fi- uh, real physical, real intense, and real emotional at times. It's uh, some matches have the classic Triple H build, which I've grown to hate, which is just let's stare <laughs> at each other, point and the sign, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll do a match. We, we, we don't touch each other until the match. And, and then just sledgehammer and, uh, and all that. Uh, I would say, uh, what was it? A, 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 either a steel cage or a last man standing match that was really good. Cool. Like it had no right being that good, um, <laughs> especially w- with Flair being 110 by then. <laughs> But yeah, it, it was probably more like the surprise of like, oh, well, he can still, you know, go. Yeah, he could he could still bust it out. That is yeah. true. He would pull it out on occasion. And I'm not talking about the thing that he probably did on a plane at one point. But he, <laughs> he uh, you know, speaking of the classic Triple H build, I think that's actually a result of Ica Pro. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> so many jokes. Not to interrupt the uh, Triple H fest here, Filippo, but is there a case to be made? And I'm not saying there isn't, but I wanted to bring it up. Is there a case to be made for Lex Luger? I don't know. It was another yeah. one of the like, you know, late 80s, maybe even early. I can't remember. NWA-ish hallmarks, but it was, you know, I wanted to bring it up. I don't think it's that great. I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I, I don't dislike Luger. And that's as far as I'm going to say. Yeah, oh. that, that's that's okay. Fair. That that says enough. That's kind of where I, I'm at too. That's where I'm at with that too. I think that, that I don't okay. think Luger's fully formed by then. I feel like it. They're yeah. trying to do the Sting thing with him, and it exactly. is like, dumb. Like, it's more of a rehash of the Sting thing. But I think speaking of Sting, Dusty and Steamboat are on Sting's next, right? I guess. I mean, I I just really feel like most of the feud sucks. <laughs> or Flair's retirement. Retirement. Oh, yeah. God no. That is so good, yeah. Joe. It is. It is. I'm. I'm voting for retirement here. Next. Wow. Really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it is good. I. I've never been that emotionally attached to something. I, I'm serious. Like Rick, Rick Flair's not even like my favorite wrestler ever. Mm. I. He. They. He's got me. He got me at that point. I was like, this is brilliant. <sighs> I'm sorry. I love you, Joe. Yeah. All right. <laughs> for, for number three, we're we're all okay with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Good Lord. For number three, Ric Flair versus retirement. (laughs) 
All right. So <laughs> we just to uh, to run down what's on there and what we've talked about. We've got on the Rushmore, Dusty Steamboat and Retirement. Um, we've talked about Savage. We've talked about Sting, Ricky Morton, Vader, the Von Erichs, specifically the carry match. Terry Funk. Uh, what What's going on last year? I'm My vote is still for Sting because it helped make Sting. Yes. Whereas Savage was made already. I think this I think it's between Sting and Savage. Filippo? I I would say it's between Sting and the Von Erics, actually. Really? Okay. But if so if the three of us are agreeing on Sting, that's it's probably yeah. Sting. Yeah. I think it's only It's fair. gotta be Sting. It's gotta be Sting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, you can say what you want and, and I, I have and I probably will in the future about their nineties crap. Yeah, you know, with Sting always in, getting in the near future. Yes. Joe, yeah, their last match, they both wrestle each other in a shirt. <laughs> I know exactly, but that was more of like a you normally love nostalgia tours, Quinn. Like, oh, they're doing it one last time, yay! Listen, that was a nostalgia match for the wrong reasons. <laughs> that was the company's going out of business, and we have nothing else left. I like, agree, but the reason that Sting, who you so love very much, Quinn, and despite his horrible Starcade '97 performance. <laughs> Was Sting, I think, had a large part to do. Because before that, he was like plucky Sting. And before that, Mid-South, he was heel Sting. And then he was in the Blade Runners. He was like a mid-carder. Flair really did give him that bump and turned him into a guy that the whole crowd could get behind. That's fair. You know what I mean? To me, it's not one of Flair. We're we're talking about Ric Flair feuds. That's not one of Flair's best. But I think if you use the word synergy, which I never do. I think they have it. You know what I mean? I think it just they makes something. sense. Yeah. They, 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 it's shirts on <laughs> yeah. towards the end there. Flippa, what do you think about the whole Sting thing overall here? Or are we okay putting it on? I, I love Sting. And uh, Sorry. for me, essentially, to, to have it uh, nicely wrapped up in one story, what made Sting great, it's always a pleasure to rewatch. So it's a yes. Okay. okay. I think that's fair. So let's do this. Let's put four, number four, Sting. <laughs> Well, to recap for Donnie here, this is the Mount Rushmore of Ric Flair feuds. Thanks again, Nick Lewis, for the suggestion. Dusty Rhodes, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, retirement, and Sting. That is our Mount Rushmore of Ric Flair feuds. But let's get right into the Death Valley here. Filippo, I'm going to throw to you again. You are the guest here. What do you want to put on as one of the worst? I don't know that it can be counted as a as a proper feud, but I would say it, given both the... Uh, on-screen and backstage interactions, I would say, definitely adds up. Vince Russo. Oh, man. That counts. Now, is that the one... I actually was asking Joe the other day, because I don't remember. I don't either, still. Is that the one where Rick Flair ends up in the insane asylum, or was that with Bischoff? I think that's Bischoff. I genuinely don't know. I am I know for sure that with Vince Russo, he ends up in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> you talk right. shit about my brother. Don't you ever do that to me. Come on, man. Let's go kill this pain. Come on, and he goes to his house. He's like, bro, you all stink. Here's a picture of your daddy. I, sucks. I like that vignette. Well, because you're in it. Yes. It's funny, though, because it, it's like the most Vince Russo-y thing. Well, you and, wrote it, Quinn. And you could tell they're kind of just goofing yeah, off. they don't care. And, and like, because that's like literally his house. Like I know. David's house also. And like, Ashley's there. Yeah. Charlotte. Like, Look at this all-American family. Tell them, David. Tell them what's inside. Yeah, we'll go. Throw them out of the tree like you did for 21 years. Keep your hands to yourself. Young lady. You know what the problem is with it is it doesn't help anyone. Like, no. Filippo, what do you what do you think about it? Why is it one of the worst, do you think? 
Well, it, it was, first of all, a classic example of WCW just doing whatever they can to bury their strongest asset or one of their strongest assets, yeah. uh, especially at a time where when they had no one else, which is <laughs> yeah. crazy. But I just remember that it did no one any favors. All of the feuds we mentioned, except retirement, but that had its logical conclusion. Right. They did something to put over the other guy and help Ric Flair. Right. It was good for both. The Dusty feud was good for both of them. The Steamboat feud was good for both of them. The Savage feud even was good for both of them. The Sting, all that stuff. What the hell did this do for Flair or Vince Russo? I don't know. It stunk. <laughs> See, this is why I'm confused about this feud. I guess the idea is that they Flair... Flair is what they usually would fall back on, right? And this yes. is another instance of them falling back on Ric Flair, right? Yeah. However, they're burying him all at the same time. So in the like, desert. It's like contradictory like to what's going on. Like It's like, we need Flair to perform because we suck so bad, but let's make him look like shit it was while, we, weird. while he does all the work for us. I, I, didn't, like, I it, didn't get it. Quinn, what are, you, what are you thinking for Death Valley here? Speaking of deserts. Uh, Hogan and Flair. Hogan and Flair! All right, good. I was going to bring that one up, too. I am in agreement that it's poor. Uh, Quinn, let's <laughs> let's hear why. Well, uh, let's start at the beginning. Didn't happen at WWF, <laughs> first of all. It didn't. Not on the big stage, anyway. Well, it kind of happened. Like the, Remember how Flair cost Hogan the title against the Undertaker and all that bullshit? Yes. And like he danced around in his robe in front of him in, when they <laughs> at the, in the funeral parlor. And, but then after that, they're just like they don't interact anymore. Yeah. They get to WCW, right? Mm. Now Flair is like riding high. He's just gained back the title. He, he was As a, face. a face. Yes, he's he's Mister WCW. He's supposed to represent WCW right against Hulk Hogan, the WWF guy, the Northern versus the Southern like versions of each other. It's right? finally happening. And Hogan comes in, makes him look like a big doofus, and. <laughs> Great. Ric Flair, like, retreats for, like, another contest, right? Yes. You know what always pissed me off about that feud? Right. Well, a lot of things. Flair's hastily turned heel, which I understand because you don't want Hogan to get booed. He did anyway now, sometimes. was Sherry brought in for the first match or she the was, second she match? She was brought in, I think, in between the first and second match. Okay. Yeah, right? And then they have the stupid rematch at Clash of the Champions in August of 94. And this was the one where the it wound up being the butcher. Remember, like it broke Hogan's knee. Wasn't that wasn't that the third one? The <laughs> that butcher was the one. Second match. Okay, that's the one where Flair wins by like count out because God forbid <laughs> yes. Hulk Hogan got pinned <laughs> by Rick Flair. <laughs> and then they have the Halloween Havoc blow off, which is a steel cage match, and Sherry of course gets beat up by Hogan because he likes to do that. Because you know that's just that's such a face thing to do is beat up a girl. What in the hell is going on? The big foot to Sherry. Down she goes. Flippa, what are your thoughts on Hogan Flair? So many. I basically <laughs> don't know where to start. Uh, I love how, as, as you were mentioning, Hogan actually always acted as a heel throughout yeah. his entire career. And mm-hmm. it, it was crazy because everything from like his moveset, he had the back rake and some, some eye pokes. He did all of it. So Hogan basically began as a heel and never really got out of that. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's What's great about his uh, his feud with Flair was that it was you know the the, the vignette where he enters the Dungeon of Doom secret hideout place where yeah it's he, not hot he, it's a hot yeah yeah th- th- that one immediately before that he shouts what he should have thought when he got to WCW he asks what is this place. There's no Hulkamaniacs here. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You know what? The problem here is that in the WWF version, 
it could have been really good. So you have that disappointment factor that yeah. we always talk about. And obviously, Hogan wasn't going to lose to Flair in the WWF, of course, right? Right. Now, in the WCW, the problem was it was better than it was in WWF because they actually fought on pay-per-view. So right. you got to give them that, right? They actually did that. That's about it, though. What they did is they forced people to act like Hulkamaniacs. They forced Hulkamania into WCW, which is fucking Flair country. Yeah. People like Ric Flair. Even when he's a heel, they love to boo There him. was Flair signs right. at these shows. This, like, and, and he's a heel! <laughs> <laughs> they just never capitalized on that part of it. Yeah. The way I think they could have. And it was a dumpy feud. So that is a, a great contender. I'm going to bring up one also. The Undertaker in like 02 the one yeah. that they fought at WrestleMania 18. Yeah, the oh. trouser taker. And like he beats up Arn all the time and he just beats the shit out of Flair and that's that's all it is. <laughs> it's really shitty. It's just like Undertaker antagonizing Flair and then he wins. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. It does nothing for either guy. It doesn't help Flair. It doesn't no, help Undertaker. It just, like, just goes on being Undertaker. Yeah, he's just a big fucking asshole with the <laughs> short hair. He beats up Ric Flair the whole time and then he beats him up at WrestleMania and then it's over. I'm gonna bust your ass. What is even like? I don't even remember. Like, what is the? Why does that happen? Because he's an asshole. Like, is, is, <laughs> is he is. mad about something from '91 or something? Like, I don't understand. Like, he's just an <laughs> asshole. That's all it is. Ugh. Yeah, he was he he was mad about uh, Flair helping him win the title. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You you say it didn't help anyone, but Undertaker's character was beyond help at that point. <laughs> That's true. Well, it took the repackaging. It really did. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, he was pretty crappy by then. Uh, What else is there? What else is bad? I don't know if this counts because it's post-retirement, so it's really not retro, but his TNA feud with Mick Foley was sad. So sad. They had matches. Hardcore matches. Flair (sighs) was 65 or something. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? The fact that they... They did that. I give them one little grain of credit because they took what was a real life animosity for a while. That's true. Yeah. At the time, by then it wasn't, but they worked it into an angle. However, it's in TNA and it was in like the two thousands. Let's put it this way: I think the feud as a feud is pretty good because the concept is there. Uh, probably the matches are not good, and mm. I don't even remember if they're good. To be, I, I did watch them at the time. Believe it or not, new. Yeah, I was because TNA Lord. was still like a thing then. Yeah, I mean the Foley thing is really bad because of every factor. The fact yeah. that it's in TNA, they're old. Mm-hmm. Flair was technically retired, but I, I honestly think because of the disappointment factor that Hogan should be number one. I agree. I, I agree with you. I yeah, wholeheartedly agree okay. with that because it just should have been good. Yeah, that should have been something that in, in either. Yeah, it literally should have been one of the best feuds ever. Right, like it, it had everything. It had all the ingredients, and they fucked it all up because Hulk Hogan. He is one hundred percent to blame for that. That I think so. You could tell he was never going to job to this guy no. ever. The most he gave him was a fucking countout. He's Ric Flair. <laughs> He's he, you're equal. What are you doing? Yeah, and, and, and it's not just about, you know, the, the, the jobs, the wins, the losses. It's also about the matches like Hogan did. He's Hogan stay completely straight. He could have said, you know, uh, I'm going to fight you like I fought Inoki. And that, that works yeah. because it's, it's a different side of Hogan. It, it shows that he had to adapt for Flair. They could have gone in a million different directions. They didn't. 
No, they just went back to Hulkamania running wild 1987 style. Big boot leg drop, Mr. T. Yeah, the, what the fuck? Oh Jerry beat up girls. Like, it was just like, what the fuck? That could have been any random WWF guy in there with them. Ric Flair should have gained 500 pounds and he could have just done the same, like been Kamala or something. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, it, it was just, the, that's how they treated it. Like, you're right. It was like he was just fighting a big fat heel. You're like, absolutely right. Let's put it in, guys, yeah. for number one. Hulk Hogan. Die, die, die. Do we have any others? Now, he did feud with El Gigante in 1991. Well, Giant Gonzalez. I know, but does that count? It's a feud. What do you mean, does it count? No, I just mean because wasn't that just like a match or something? No, they had a feud a little bit. (laughs) Gigante wanted to win the world title from him. The character, not Jorge Gonzalez, but... Didn't that guy wrestle with, like, basketball shoes on or something? <laughs> like a pink tank top or <laughs> yeah. something like that. <laughs> but, I mean, come on, he brought Giant Gonzalez. I know, but, I mean, I don't know, like... Quinn. Is there a certain threshold you have to break before it, like, is, is like, even considered? Like, or is it just some throwaway thing on, like, Saturday night is what I'm saying? One way or another, Ric Flair feuded with Jorge Gonzalez... Any others? <laughs> well, we, we still need to tackle the whole Black Scorpions yes, thing. Perfect. Yeah. That was 1990. Right. That was a bad period of time for Ric Flair. Not not as a wrestler, but the way they booked him. And that was, had something to do with the Pizza Hut man and all that? I don't even know if that was... Yeah, no, that was Hurd. Yeah, yeah. Jim Hurd was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, what don't you like about that one, Filippo? Not that, <laughs> not that it's hard to tell. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, I hate when wrestling promotions treat us like idiots. Yeah, well, that's wrestling. Yeah, but like there's a there's a certain threshold. Like if it's tongue in cheek, I appreciate it. If they play completely straight, like oh, it was flair under the cost. No, it was (laughs) it was not. Just forget about it. Let's move on. (laughs) I frankly got to say, this is the most demeaning thing I've ever gone through. Why all the secrets? Don't have to say anything, but I will grant you some time in which you may ask me some questions. Well, first of all, why the blindfold? It just seemed too low for Rick. Like I, yeah, I don't like the idea of Ric Flair dressing up in like a black bodysuit with like a stupid mask on. He's Ric Flair. Why? Why does that, he have to, have to do any of it that? It is a bit out of character. Yeah, just a little. The, right for the nature boy, right to do something like that. Now, wasn't that the period of time where he also had a ponytail sometimes? I think because his mullet was just really out of control by that point. It was point. just a bad time yeah. for him. And that whole Black Scorpion, what was that, Halloween Havoc 90? I think it was. Awful. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. It was an awful period of time for his career. But now here's the thing. The feud here was with who? Was it Sting? Yeah, again, it's the Sting So thing, Sting's so. in on the Rushmore, though. So how do we handle this? Is that a double induction? Uh, you, you, you guys make the rules here. I would be in favor of putting... Flair and Sting, both Rushmore and Death Valley. It's, it sums up how I feel about the whole thing. That's not against the rules. I think yeah. we, there's a precedent no, for that, right? No, there's been a precedent for double induction. This is very important. You know, we take yeah. this very seriously, folks. I know you do. <laughs> so that's one. I would like to, to put this out there. Now, again, I don't know if this counts as a few, but the, one of the reasons is because the guy left. But it's right after Savage. They like dovetailed into each other around SummerSlam 92 was the Ultimate Warrior. First of all, after the great Savage feud and the great Savage match, and I know, Quinn, you have thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Flair doesn't wrestle at SummerSlam 92. I hate that so He's much. just, like, bothering them. Yeah. <laughs> Which, the more time goes on, the more I realize that that's kind of silly. Yeah. Thank, yeah it is ridiculous, really. Because he knew that he wasn't on either person's, him and Perfect. Like, he, they knew, right? Yeah. That they weren't selling out to either. 
Right. So what the hell were they doing? They were just like messing up their match. Wouldn't you think he's trying to get like a rematch or something? And he like, did a few days later, but it had nothing to do with him being at SummerSlam. Yeah. They I, hit him in the chair, hit him with in the knee with a chair. And I think then, it's just confusing is what I think it, it is. is. It's just stupid and it doesn't make any sense at all looking back at it. But here's what it leads to. One of your favorites, Quinn. Flair teaming up with Razor Ramon. Oh, God. And they're supposed to fight Savage and Warrior. Right. At Survivor Series. It actually wound up being better, I think, with Mr. Perfect instead. Well, because I actually... Okay, I'm going to nominate out of that one, too. Yeah. Because I, I, think, I think the Perfect feud is shit. Yeah, what don't you like about that? Is it too rushed? It's rushed, and I really don't love that career-ending when L- loser, loser leaves, leaves town. town or whatever. I just, I don't know. All of it feels bullshit to me. Like, really? Ric Flair's going to leave 10? Why don't you just say Ric Flair's going back to WCW? Well, they're not going to say that. I know, but I'm just... It, all of it just feels rushed and stupid. And it's it was like, rushed. It's, it's, it's Mr. Perfect and Ric Flair. You would think it would be better. And to me, it's also what began the, like, downturn of Mr. Perfect. Like, he couldn't deliver there run. to me. Then what the fuck is the point of him? Flip of thoughts. On on Warrior, on Perfect, on on pretty much anything, I'd say that uh, the Warrior thing luckily never happened in full. Flair called his matches with Warrior the worst of his career. I believe so. That, that probably deserves a mention somewhere. Yeah, Nature Boy Ric Flair. What you see is the back page of the book that has begun to be written. Anybody care what this guy thinks? No. With Perfect, the point is that they had all the elements for a great feud because uh, they had laid the groundwork perfectly, uh, no, no pun intended, intended. <laughs> just w- 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 uh, with Flair's entourage and uh, and obviously there being a power dynamic between Heen and Flair and Perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with, with Michael there. It was just not, it, it didn't work for Perfect as, as a main event talent. Yep. It's not their fault that they were rushed, obviously, because Warrior got fired or left or whatever. He was always getting fired or leaving. But the status, I think, that it's achieved is unjust, meaning it's not... You're right, Quinn. It's not as good as I think it's made out to be. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, overrated. people hype that. This is a match that made Raw one of a no, show that people wanted to... Like, what the It was fuck? taped also. No one talks about that. That show... That Raw was taped before the Royal Rumble and there and after. It's dumb. I, I don't know. I just, I hated that feud. Yeah. You know what? I think the Vince Russo one is next. Yes. Because it did no favors to anybody. What do you think? I agree. Yeah. Just, uh, I have no, no more words that I want to dedicate to that. <laughs> no. It's, it's, it's really every moment I think about it, it like hurts me. It burns a specific spot inside my brain and, and leaves a sour aftertaste. So <laughs> I agree with all those statements. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. I'm not, a, I'm not a Russo hater, but. No, me neither. This was bad. Yeah. There's really just no way around it. Yeah. It was bad. It was terrible. Okay. For number two, Vince Russo. Die, die, die. What else are we thinking about, guys? We got uh, Undertaker's been discussed, the Black Scorpion thing, Nick Foley, Perfect, Mm -hmm. Warrior. Anything else coming to mind there? I think the ones that are standing out to me are like the Undertaker. Sucked. And the Black Scorpion one is really shitty. The Foley thing in TNA, unless you really don't want to count that, but I mean, hmm. It happened. And I'm sure I don't there's think it's, other I don't stuff, think it's but... as bad because I think it's based on something that's that's legit. Right. Oh, you know what? Here's one. NWO versus the Horseman. That counts as a flare feud. It that sucks. That stunk because the Horseman. Yes. Yeah. I, I understand the NWO 
NWO need to get over right. and they need to like be powerful. But the horsemen were like little babies about it. Like they did nothing. They were so busy. Like, I don't know, like fighting other things. I don't like, think, yeah. They, they were like, oh, well, we got to go beat up Macho Man because we're still <laughs> doing that shit. It's like this threat just appears and you're not going to go take care of it. And then they hit Arm with the bat. Wait a minute. We go to the back. Arn Anderson down. There they are. They got baseball bat. That stretch again in the 97, remember, where it was like Flair was going to fight off the NWO and Piper helped him or something, and it right. was just such junk. So uh, anything having to do with Flair versus the NWO is my nomination, because it made Flair look like a puss. Yeah. I, I agree. If if you got to win to get heat, it's great. Win, whatever. Don't make the other guy look like a bitch. Because then you're just beating a bitch. So what good does it do? that to everyone, though. I know, and that's mm-hmm. not a good thing, yeah. necessarily, you know, and it went on way too long. And then, and, and that's why WCW eventually died, because they, they did not have a credible plan, and they never built anything against the NWO. Well, Everything, every other resource that, that oh. they had, including Flair, and most of all, Flair, got destroyed. That's right. I, I you preach de- it, brother. I will defend WCW in this guy. I will turn your mic up. No, it, was, it was more just business is what killed WCW, but ultimately. If the, if the booking was good, the business would have been good. Yeah, but the AOL thing. It's uh, not just that. Yeah, no, just, of course, of course. It's not literally why it died. Yeah. It's uh, part of why. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. AOL would have loved it if that company was making freaking money. Well, then they would have been like, yeah, this is great. It was never designed to make money. Exactly. Because <laughs> it was just yeah. like, I like wrestling. Yeah, it was literally like Ted Turner likes wrestling. The so let's run it at a loss for yeah, all these years yeah. until Bischoff finally turns a profit. Anywho, <laughs> I think the NWO versus horsemen and or flair thing was never another thing never properly capitalized on where yep. the horsemen proper which with whatever version they had then even with mongo yeah. i don't i like mongo i know we I, like uh, mongo I, everyone I, likes mongo okay yeah, he's great who doesn't like mongo plenty but, of people probably but anyway i don't the mongo voldemort Arn Anderson and Flair. That would have been like enough. And sometimes Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) I I, I can't remember. Did did you have a Death Valley of Horsemen? No. Uh, No, we didn't actually. Is there enough versions? Yeah, there are. There's enough people. We can can have it right now. It's it's Mongo, Paul Roma. (laughs) Don't put Mongo in Death Valley. (laughs) Why not? I like Mongo, damn it. Yeah. Dean Malenko's in Death Valley. (laughs) He was like not even, he was in a suit once. And he's like, I'm a horseman now. (laughs) NWO, are we putting it on? Uh, yes. Yeah. All right, cool. So <laughs> for number three, the uh, Horseman slash Flair versus the NWO, any incarnation. Die, die, die. All right, gentlemen, we've got, still talked about here, the Undertaker feud from O2, the Black Scorpion version of the Flair Sting thing. Yeah. Mr. Perfect? Yes, please, because I hate that. Really? Yeah, I hate it. Filippo, the Stooch, what do you think? Is that the worst thing? I don't know that it's the worst thing. I think it's it's the it's the biggest missed opportunity for sure. Okay, right? okay. It, it's not as memorably bad as uh, as as the Black Scorpion. True. I, I feel uh, in in a way, given given the state of Undertaker and Flair in two thousand and two, it's a bit like Foley and Flair in that that they had less excuses. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like okay, okay, yeah. But I understand that you were not working with a lot of materials. I don't know. I'm I'm tempted by by Perfect and Flair, but Flair and Sting, the Black Scorpion, I, I can I can choose. You know, the Black Scorpion is just so notably it, it, bad. It's worse. Yeah. It's, okay, it's just a bad thing, and it's just ah, oh, it's so, just another example of like, oh, he's gonna bat, 
the like double cross sting again. I know. Like who cares? I know. <laughs> who cares? Like seriously, by that point, I know. I know. Why don't we do this? We'll call it Flair as the Black Scorpion versus Sting. That's what's okay. going in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Perfect. We're in agreement here. So for number four, Flair as the Black Scorpion. <laughs> Die, die, die. All right. Well, to recap for Donnie, our Death Valley of Ric Flair feuds is Hulk Hogan, both versions, Vince Russo, awful. The NWO, a big, big blunder there. They could have made it a lot better than they did. And the Black Scorpion version of Ric Flair versus Sting. That is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of Ric Flair feuds. Thank you to Nick Lewis for the suggestion. And thank you to Filippo Festuccia for flying all the way in here to Newark International Airport. Next time to be La Guardia. And uh, we'll be happy to have you back in a few months, Filippo. Thank you so much. For your contributions, thank you for being here with us today. Is there anything you want to say as your parting words? Oh wow, you're putting me on the spot here. Uh, yeah. No, I mean it's it's always a pleasure being here, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about Flair, especially. Yes, it is. Be fair to Flair. We were fair to Flair, I'd say. I, yeah, we I, were. I, I normally am not the. Uh, it's not the most exciting person for me to talk about. I'm not yeah. a fanatic the way this guy over here is and crying and stuff when he retires. But uh, <laughs> it was, you know what? It really did. As we went through the Rushmore, particularly. It made me think of, wow, this guy really got a lot of people over and did a lot of memorable things. Yeah, leave the memories alone. Um, we'll do that. So when we come back, we are going from Italy to somewhere else. And uh, that'll be coming up right after this. Hello, wrestling fans. Howdy doody. We're here to remind you that if you really like our show, you can donate over at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's right. And we have three rewards tiers. For $1, you get the raw video recordings of our episodes each week. Mistakes and all. I don't make mistakes. Add another dollar and you get the raw video plus weekly commentaries every single Friday. That's where we watch a match and talk over it. It's good. And for $3, you get the raw video, the weekly commentary, and our monthly live video reviews. Yep, we watch 1982 WWF while you guys watch. So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. And now, over to Sean Mooney. Who? Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. And bienvenidos, uh, our vantage point retro wrestling podcast. What? Uh, we're back, <laughs> Quinn. Welcome means. back, everybody. <laughs> Quinn, we're reviewing something. Right. And this is interesting because it's a bit of an international flair in this episode. You know, we were just with Filippo. We dropped him back off at the airport just now. Right. Got to drive back. Got caught in a little rain. A little upsetting yeah, there. It's, but it's, it's a downpour it's out a downpour there right out now. downpour there. And Quinn, we like to travel sometimes. You know, we stick with the WWF a lot and WCW. We went to uh, Las Vegas last week for AWA. It was very nice. Uh-huh. We've been to England for World of Sport. Right. We've even done, done some Japan stuff. So we like traveling. Yeah, we're world travelers. We're very classy wrestling fans. Yes, absolutely. And now, folks, we're doing a show that we've never done before. In fact, I don't know that I've even seen a full episode, maybe once or twice until now. Well, now you have. And this <laughs> is WWF Super Astros. Now, it's uh, Spanish for superstars. <laughs> yes, and I probably wouldn't have known that because I don't speak Spanish. 
Just on a, a side story, just for fun. Yeah, go ahead. I took two years of Spanish. And you had the worst teachers. I had the worst teacher, and I literally don't understand a lick of Spanish. No, you like, really to, don't. And I took two years of it. You did. Yeah. You did. I remember it was a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> one of your teachers was really bad. They would just talk about their day. She did. Like, that, not one of them, not yeah. in Spanish. Like, <laughs> did so, nothing not, for did you. Nothing, like, it was terrible. So this is why I have no... What they're saying means nothing to me right. the whole time. So that's the explanation right there. This is episode number five. December 20th, 1998 is when it aired on Univision uh, here What's in New that Jersey mean? anyway. One Vision or something? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, really? Uh, so I Quinn- just took a guess there. <laughs> so, Quinn, let's hop on a plane and travel all the way to Baltimore. Uh, yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with that? So They can't even film it in Mexico where the so, audience is? This show did have... A very short run, late 98 until like the summer or so of 1999. It It was not on long. It felt like it was on forever because it's during that period where I used to go to my dad's and I would always see it on. That's the only reason I know about this show. Is because you watched it occasionally at your dad's when you were in middle school. What the fuck is this? It's like the real, it's like at Raw. But right. it's not Monday, and no. there's like all these people that I thought had been gone for quite a long time, yeah. like heavy metal and shit. Right, heavy metal and guys like that. So this aired on a Sunday, December 20th, 1998. It was a Sunday, if uh, my memory isn't failing me. Right. And it was actually taped. This is interesting. Despite airing on December 20th, it was taped on November 30th. Ew. All the matches that we're so going to see. So far back. And it was a half hour show. And quite frankly, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but what the fuck were they doing? Like, why do they have this show? What was the point of this? I don't know what the aim was other than to, can they do cruiserweights better? But like, they they didn't. (laughs) I mean, if you count midgets as cruiserweights also, but I I don't know. It's just, to me, it's very like tone deaf and sort of insulting. Right. Because if you're a Spanish speaking WWF fan, don't you want to see El Rock? Yeah, and I want to see El Stone Cold. <laughs> right. And, I mean, and El Kane. Right, and they're in the opening. Right. But they're <laughs> never there. That's a good segue. Let's get yeah. to the interest. So we get, first of all, we get the standard WWF, like, and over all of that, and all these One languages. One million countries. Well, definitely more languages. At least, lang- at least the, dosa. Those <laughs> languages, yeah. Yes. They're not lying about that. No. This is actually, like, the proof yes. of the opening, like, this show. So last week, uh, La Semana Pasada, uh, some what? guys got beat up by some other guys. One had a shirt. We find out who that is later. I won't spoil it. It is funny, One though. goon had a shirt. Like, it just says La Samba de Amigos. Yeah, or I'm not going to even know. correct Quinn Spanish I don't on know this. what it, it said. Something with an S and a law in front of it. So I don't know what it meant, but they were fighting. Just send all of your cards and letters uh, to uh, Michael yeah. Quinn, care of OVP podcast. Right. Uh, in the, uh, the uh, trunko. Rock and Austin, Sable, all these guys are also like mixed into the intro. Remember when they were on Super <laughs> yeah, Astros? All like, the time. Every week, like those like, that exclusive content that maybe we'll find this week, Joe, yeah. some content we missed and over the like some secret, like super good Super oh, yeah. Astros storyline uh-huh. that like was hidden. Uh huh. Right? A hidden gem. A hidden It'll gem. actually be coming out of the network as a hidden gem soon. We had to watch it on one vision, you know? <laughs> so we are in the control room with Marcelo Rodriguez who I believe, Quinn, you called the Spanish Todd Pettengill? Oh, without question. Oh my like, God. from the beginning, he's like dancing around. Yeah, like Todster he's, style. He's like, 
amigos, uh, uno, dos. And vamos, like, vamos, vamos. He's, you know? doing, he's actually doing like he's a, doing a that. dance We're and not stuff. Kidding. Like, I'm not making that up. He's got a stupid fucking red shirt on. He you looks, hate his shirt. He looks like an idiot. Soy Marcelo Rodríguez y quiero darles las gracias por estar aquí nuevamente con nosotros en su programa favorito, Los Superastros, y por supuesto por Univision, su casa. Actually, what's kind of crazy is they have like a special One Vision, Univision, like Uno Vision. I don't know what it's oh called. God. But it, they have like a studio. Yes. But it's like the control center, but it it's is. just for that. It's just for them. Where is this? It's their especial uh, control center. Like, I don't know, but we have an exclusiva, Quinn. So vamos. Yes, exclusive. I knew that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So we go to ringside with uh, Carlos Cabrera and as Quinn calls him, Hugo Spinach. Hugo Spinach, yeah. Hugo Spinach. Gracias, Marcelo, y feliz Navidad, amigos de los superastros. We get our first match here, which I swear this guy sounds like an NXT guy. Apollo Dantes. Yeah, that sounds like somebody <laughs> that would exist now. And I've never heard of him in my life. And Jose Estrada Jr. Not that Jose no, Estrada, yeah. Not, not the that, good one. No, because the good one, you might know him from uh, teaming up sometimes with Johnny Rods yeah, in the 80s. if you watch our live reviews on Patreon, yes. you would know about our love for Jose Estrada. He's good. He's like a mid-card version of Johnny Rods, who right. is a mid-carder. Yeah. So it's very confusing here. So they're teaming up now. It is actually Estrada, who was the goon in the shirt, by right. the way, in the opening there that we were talking about. More right. on... I feel like it's weird. That doesn't seem like Jose Estrada's son. Would I know. Be that. He, he's no. very like Los Bariqua y. Like the way he's yeah. dressed no, and the way he, he's acting. He looks like. Actually, he wasn't be, he in them? Was he in? Maybe he, maybe been. he was. So anyway, they're fighting El Negro Casas. Now, what does that stand for? The Black uh, Houses? The black, I don't know if Casas. The Black House? Like, <laughs> Casas what does house. that mean? I don't yeah. know. It's, it, it can't be House. Or maybe, but, is that brown? I, I, I'm no, so Negro is black. Okay, black. Yeah, it is. Okay. They're teaming up. He's teaming up, I should say, with yeah. El Hijo de Santo. Now, that is the son of Santo, who is the most famous wrestler ever or some shit. Yeah. Santo. Yeah. El Santo, the right. saint. The saint. This is his legit son. He's his youngest son. He's 35 here. He looks like he's about 55. But notably, he's got Savio Vegas music when he comes out. <laughs> and you said it feels insulting, it this does, whole thing. The, all of it feels <laughs> insulting because literally El Negro Casas, yeah. he looks like like a shitty Mac Rivera. <laughs> like, he looks horrible. He does look horrible. Santo here is just, he, he looks crappy. I'm, right. I, I'm surprised he's only 35. Yeah. Casas and Dante start. We get a sloppy backdrop by Dante. Says the crowd legit does not care about what's Yo, going on they here. They don't give a fuck. And you can tell the cheering is like piped in. I think it is. Nobody is like moving. No. There's like people looking the other way. Yeah, There's people it's like pretty... getting popcorn and shit. <laughs> They're like, who are these people? <laughs> so double team clothesline by the faces sends Dante's to the outside. Estrada gets in. And you said, why is he dressed like such an asshole? I hate how Estrada's dressed. <laughs> he's got like jeans, like black jeans yes. on with like those um, high tech boots uh -huh. that Stone Cold would wear. Yes. And, like, <laughs> In the 90s. Yeah, and he's got like just like a dress shirt with the sleeves cut off. He looks like a fucking asshole. Santa looks like shit. As I mentioned, you said more like son of Sam. <laughs> yeah, more like... And uh, also, may I note about um, Hernandez? What's his name? Um, uh, Estrada. Yeah. Estrada. Uh -huh. He he looks like the shirt he's wearing. It looks like that, uh, like a shirt that, like Raymond's brother would wear on Everyone's <laughs> Love Raymond. You hey, know? Raymond. Yeah, like it looks like something like that. You or ass. Right, it does look like that. <laughs> so anyway, Dante Sacasa's back at it. Jack Doan is the ref, by the way, more on him later. Yeah. This is certainly a wrestling match, Quinn. 
So, like, what's the end game of these guys? Like, is there a separate <laughs> Super Astros championship? Do they get to fight the Rock? There's no stakes at all. Like, there's no stakes. There's fajitas, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> there's no. Well, stakes. they could have steak in that fajita, but <laughs> but in all seriousness. Oh yeah, you really want to be serious? No, but seriously, like, <laughs> okay. what do you get if you like do good on Super Astros? Like, I don't know. What, like, why are you fighting on this? I don't know, but I am glad that Vince Russo's greasy, you know, Italian uh, fingerprints aren't all over this because there's no pinatas on a pole. Yeah, you know well, what I he mean. Would have been insulting. Like, <laughs> Nobody's wearing a sombrero. Yeah. There's nothing like that. So anyway, the heels double team. Quinn continues to go on about how he does not like Estrada. Sucks. He's a Rudo. He's a heel, Quinn. He you is, know, he is Rudo. <laughs> He's very Mui Mui Rudo. He's very Mui Rude. <laughs> Mui Mui Mui. He's doing a good job, I guess. He as is a heel. at being a heel. But he then is. again, I don't know who the heels and faces there, are. He's a heel. The okay. way he's dressed, he's got to be a heel, right? Yeah, but the guy he's team with seems okay. Yeah, but Santo, like, Son of Santo, there is not a heel, right? The big, big legacy. Yeah, but there. the guy he's tagged with, uh, uh, Nick Negro, Barbary, Negro who is Casas, it? Yeah, right? I don't know what his deal he, is. He seems like a big heel. Like I don't think anyone put any thought into this. Yeah, it's in all serious. Yeah. At one point, the announcer just yells something like he rolls his R for like four seconds for no reason. Yeah, well, why? I don't know. It was like, like watching soccer. <laughs> or something. Like, I it's don't real. know what he says. Se pone esto Nice uh, <laughs> missile dropkick by Dante Santasanta. More heel double teaming. Santa. <laughs> I think, uh, Quinn, they're giving these guys half the show. You had mentioned. Yeah, I, well, it's in real time. It's only like 22 minutes. Yeah, so. it's a very short show. So Dante misses a flying shitty something from the top, and <laughs> Santo comes back with a big clothesline. Nobody cares. Nobody nobody cares. No one's even looking. Like, At the ring. I, like, quite literally. Yeah. There's a guy in the crowd, I swear to you, Joe, that's looking to like his left, like the whole <laughs> entire match. Like I'm not making that up. There, and he's like front row center. <laughs> Get him out of there. <laughs> now, according to uh, Graham Cawthorn's history of the WWE website, these three matches that we're going to see are all listed after all the Raw results and everything, but I don't know if it's in order or not. Sometimes, Richard Land told me sometimes it's not in order. Something tells me that this might have been after, though, just because of the lack of nobody gives a shit. So it's like for people to get out of the building, they're just yeah. doing something just to cool it down and people can stay if they want. Maybe people had like some extra like snacks left and they were like finishing them off and they were just like, I'll watch this. Like Fritos? <laughs> Well, you know, you could also have like American snacks as you just American show. Is just well, they over. are in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. So Bal maybe they have like crabs or something. Yeah, exactly. They're eating their crabs Speaking and watching crabs. Super Astros Casas, live. <laughs> Casas is in for the Caliente tag here. The faces toss Dante's to the outside as Casas holds Estrada in a laying full Nelson for Santo to come off the top rope with a senton variation. This is good, actually. I Flip, like that. Yeah, he flips right back up, does a suicide dive right through the ropes to the outside onto Dante's as Casas rolls up Estrada in El Majestral for Uno. Well, I don't know what that is. Dos, tres. Hasta luego. So the great part is that Don or whatever, yeah, he counts in Spanish the whole the whole like, time, every single match. It's like, really awesome. Uno, dos. It's Chris, good. Like, really loud. Like, <laughs> yeah. you could, I love it. I love it too. It's really festive. You also said Estrada went down like a chump. Yeah, you look like a <laughs> jabroni. Like I guess like he's no Ho the real Jose. Estrada. No, he's not. Is you know what? Interesting. Two sons of uh, better wrestlers. You know, yeah, El son of uh, Santa Santa Claus. There, El son of Santa, <laughs> and yeah. also uh, Jose Estrada Jr. But speaking of Santa, backstage. Maria Felipe is with Minnie Max. Yeah, I like Maria Felipe. Of course over you do. Here. She's she's a cute one. <laughs> now Minnie Max here is dressed like Santa Claus. Right. She, 
you said, why is this happening? Yeah, <laughs> what are your <laughs> trademarks? Yeah, but like, you muttered so it. In all seriousness, <laughs> like, why? Like, I... The problem is, is I literally don't know what they're talking about, so it's even more confusing. Wow, que lucha más tremenda. Sí, Mario, la lucha está muy buena. I get this impression that Max Mini or Mini Max or whatever he is, yeah. like he's trying to flirt with Maria. He is. But I feel like dressing up like Santa as a midget isn't like the best way to like... <laughs> to get, woo the ladies to, there? To woo Maria <laughs> over there. <laughs> to sweep those senoritas off their yeah. feet, huh? This senorita just thinks of him like a teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you're so cute. Like yeah. a child, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, Max says he has a surprise for Maria later. And then some guy with horns runs in and yells at them. <laughs> That's he, El Torito, <laughs> Yes, Joe, it is. But not that El Torito. Not the one from Lucha, I don't think. Not, so. no, not the one also from like actually in oh, WWF the, later. that later El Torito. Yeah. No, not he's him. a different El Torito. He's like a fat version, but he's <laughs> so also a midget. He says he's better than uh, the mini Max over here. So Mini's going to go change. And- Can I note one yeah, thing on ahead. that? I don't know Spanish, right? No, you don't. But I swore Maria Felipe that she said Felipe, 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 that she said amigos at some point. She was talking to us. She was calling us she, her amigos. We're the amigos. Yeah, we're her amigos. I thought she was saying that these two were amigos. No, it's like how I say hello, wrestling fans. You know, oh, she was okay. like, ah, mi amigos. You know, okay. we'll be well, back. You know a little Spanish more than I do because yeah. I, I really don't know. But I just for some reason thought like, oh, these guys like are friends. But they're no, fighting. they're not friends. They're, we are her friend. They're fighting over Maria. You're Maria's friend. Doesn't the winner get Maria technically as we see later? No, no, no. The um Torito was saying that he was better okay. than Max Mini or Mini okay. Max or whatever. So anyway, we go back to the ring here for Armando Fernandez. Who is this heavy metal? I like, don't know. He looks a he lot looks like, like heavy now metal. Now I looked him up. It's he, not. He was some other guy somewhere. Yeah, I know. Like Tarzan Boy or uh, <laughs> well, I'm not, that's I'm not, not real. No, there it's real. That's upsetting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so did you see his tights? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, he's fighting Julio Sanchez, who looks like Johnny Swinger and Just, he's Probably just as important, He's by the way. Mexican Johnny Swinger. <laughs> he is. Like, uh, Jack Doan is still the ref. Like we mentioned, yep. Jack Doan is an all-star in this show, by yeah. the way. I have to say, it's funny. Uh, people are like waving Al Snowheads <laughs> yeah. in the crowd. On like, the hard camera shot. Yeah, it's like, they're like, oh, we get to take this home. Yay! <laughs> and they're like waving them. And that's like the most excitement you see in the crowd all night. Yeah, is they're waving their foam or mannequins. all 20 minutes of <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> so all siesta of it. Mm-hmm. So they lucha around for a while. Sanchez says he's numero uno. Head now, says lucha it, means wrestling right yes it does okay, very good clarify the following lucha yeah, you know, as yeah. melissa would say the following wrestling is, <laughs> is made for one fall is made for one fall yeah. is that what she says that, that's a spanish word i'm just <laughs> translating you know how like translations are weird sometimes yes i do yeah head scissors by armando but sanchez with a soup plate for dos he argues with <laughs> don and gets rolled up for dos and like we mentioned yes don is actually counting in spanish yes, i'm not being Joe's funny not being funny like they're literally it is for dos now we we wondered maybe maybe Don is the ref again because he's the only ref that speaks Spanish. Yeah, and you wouldn't think by looking at like very pasty blonde haired Jack Don right that he would be the guy that speaks Spanish. But hey, you never know. Maybe he was the only one on the roster who yeah. actually knew how to count in Spanish. Or maybe they were just like pissed off at him and like you're only doing these matches tonight. Maybe. Fuck that's you. T- that's it's, true. It's possible. And they just taught him Uno dos tres right before. <laughs> So headlock by Sanchez. What a great move, Quinn. A headlock for a lucha match. Right. And I said this is like WWF championship wrestling, just like, <laughs> with, like heavy metal in it or something. Like, like I it, love the that style, you bring up the style of it, like that's to me why heavy metal is always like sticks out to at yeah. me. Is because like 
he wrestles just like a normal wrestler. Heavyweight like, style. Yeah. And I just think he's like the prime example, even though he's not on this show at all. No, but you but like he, to bring him up. Because he is like the prime example of like, we're doing this wrong. Is he like, the archetype? Yeah, basically? He's, he's the archetype. Him yeah. and like Hector Garza and those guys. Like if you wanted the Hulk Hogan of the shitty like Lucha style, <laughs> it is heavy metal. Like, <laughs> well, you heard it here first. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, Sanchez misses a flying thing off the top ropes <laughs> badly and Armando with a top rope hard Karana for Dose. Only Dose. That surprised me. Yeah, me I too. thought that would be the end, yep. without question. Back body drop by Armando. Baseball slide by Sanchez, but Armando with a double underhook pile driver type of thing yeah. for La Victoria. That's the victory, oh, Quinn. But that's a name, Victoria? Yeah, it means victory. Oh, it's also but, a beer made by the Corona people. Yeah. It's not as it's good as It's also the name of a queen. Yes, it is. Yeah. Can queen no more. Yeah. Back to Marcelo wandering around the control room. I hate his shirt. You like, Is it because it's red and it, tight? It's red and tight. <laughs> and like, I just feel like he's like something about like Latin tempers or something. <laughs> like, you know, what, I, don't, I don't know. There's like something. I just don't like it. You know what Gorilla Monsoon would say? Oh, he's ready to mix it up. Yeah. Always with the Spanish people. Like if he, listen, if, if, if Gorilla was here and they like the American, like it was in a commentary. With him and like Kevin Kelly or some yeah, shit. like doing the other matches. Oh, President Monsoon, what do you think of heavy metal? Oh, he's a guy that's ready for any kind of action. Yeah, he would say the same though about Marcelo. Like yeah. after they came back from the control room, as I like, whoa. <laughs> he's, he's he's sure uh, ready for action there. <laughs> 98 Gorilla was always like mumbling yeah. half into the mic like, I don't I know about this. Like he just didn't give a shit. Probably one of the greatest WrestleManias in the history of the World Wrestling Federation and the enforcer, Mike Tyson, certainly will make his presence felt. But seriously, change your shirt. <laughs> like you can, you, you can wear like a regular shirt. Camisa yeah. shirt. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, well, you can wear a regular camisa. See, there you go. So we look at rock bottom stills. That was a pay-per-view that just happened. And, yeah. uh, you know, Mankind does a Socko Claw to the Rock. Then he does it to McMahon. It's funny the the Marcello talking over it and, like, breaking into, like, just regular English. He like, has not, to. Not the, with an accent. No, I mean, like, rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> like, all calm. So la semana pasada and rock bottom. El uh, Mankind. <laughs> he like, doesn't say El Mankind. Well, you know, the Mankind. The Mankind. We yeah. need Bret Hart. The Mankind. So then Austin and Undertaker played in a big pile of dirt and it sucked. That yeah, match is terrible. That match is really bad, now, Quinn. that's like the, the second ever Buried Alive after yeah, the first one where the Undertaker's hand came out of the thing. <laughs> Did they ever? Why do they always act like that's Undertaker specially? He always loses them. He never wins those well, matches. You see, I feel that's always a win-win for the Undertaker, the, that kind of match. Because he likes the dirt? No, no, no. Because if he gets buried since he's like immortal or whatever... Like oh, he doesn't, true. he doesn't fucking lose. Like all he does is like bust out, and then he's usually better. Like he's usually like repackaged after being buried. This is a case where he came back as Satan Taker, though, so he wasn't I'm better. Just saying, but like, generally, he yes, he gains more powers usually once he's buried. He got but, like evil powers from this one because like, then he shaved his mustache part of his beard. I wonder if there's some. Where subtle, to, Stephanie? I wonder if there's some subtle like kayfabe thing that the Undertaker is just goading them into these matches so that he loses, <laughs> so he like gains more power. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just like yeah, and he's just kind of like letting himself lose. Yeah, it's just like no, I gotta get in. Like also, Kane helped or something. I don't remember. Yeah, what was I think he was feuding with Undertaker in late '98. Right. It's hard to keep track with those crap you booked, Quinn. Yeah, but back to the, the yes. back to the action here. Cuando regresamos. Yes, that's very good Spanish, isn't it? it means when we return. It's Max Mini or 
uh, Mini Max. I had no idea what that meant, so I was very confused <sighs> by that okay. graphic. We saw him loosen up his boots. He's going to be fighting El Torito. So El Torito looks like he's been eating El Burrito or maybe he El does. Doritos, judging right. by that gut. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's sat. So we have a legit question here, and I think we know. Okay. It's the same guy, but they're calling him Mini Max, but he doesn't have a mask, but he looks like he's the same size well, as Max Mini. the same outfit on, too. Same outfit, same There's style. No so is that what they called him when he didn't have a mask? He was Mini Max? This is what I think. I think that's what it is. Like, okay. I think Mini Max is the non-masked version, and okay. Max Mini is the masked version. Now, if I recall, the masked version only appeared on WWF regular edition, ah. not, not Super Astros. Yeah, like Sonny was always the ref and stuff, and he was punching her in the what? butt. That actually, this happened. Okay, that's weird, because... Now that I'm I'm putting two and two together, and this is really weird. Dose and dose together. So, dose and dose together, right? Yeah. Max Mini was always flirting with Sonny. Yes. And over here on Super Astros, he's flirting with Maria. Is that like his gimmick that he's a ladies' man or something? Like the, he's, yeah. he's the ladies' man midget? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Now, you know who he is, right? Who? That's Masquerita Sagrada Jr. Is that the the one yeah. from Lucha Underground? Yeah. It's oh, okay. the same guy. Okay. It's real. Wow, that means like in Lucha Underground, he's, he's like a thousand years old. Yeah, or he's like a, he's he's many years. But I guess they're always they're always a kid. Yeah. Like <laughs> they are always treated like a kid. Yeah. So as Torito puts his horns in Jack Doan's culo, which is very funny, Doan yeah. sells it. You asked me a very pointed question, Quinn. So in 1998, was this like the top draw <laughs> in in like Mexico? Was like midget wrestling like was this the number one thing like, like did is they this really, what they liked like is this really what people were into in Mexico like I'm honestly asking this, this is this a question. real question like this isn't like a joke because like WWF always like when they're like this is what Mexican Lucha Libre wrestling it's is always it's always this it's always the midgets and, and like, really bad and like heavy metal yeah or really bad Lucha guys yeah. from like AAA and CMML I'm you know? serious yeah. like yeah no it's, that's a legit question there so Torito attacks at the bell flying head scissors by mini and arm drag a flying somersault to the outside hey how short do you think this match will be because <laughs> I, I, it's going by very quick yes that's that's what you meant right yeah this is the height of Mexican <laughs> wrestling I think <laughs> You think so? Yeah. I don't know, Quinn. I think you've sunk to new lows there. Oh. <laughs> Coming up a little short with your jokes. Well, I don't know which wrestler is going to come up a little short in this match. So. Uh, another head scissors here. And by the way, Max has hair like Shemp, and I'm not kidding. He really has Shemp's haircut. He's mini Shemp. Yeah. You know what? There's a thousand reasons why I shouldn't drink. No kidding. Yeah, a thousand reasons. But I can't think of one right now. So back in Torito <laughs> with a nice power bomb. Mini with a hurricanrana for dos. Torito and Mini with a corkscrew dive by Mini Yo, from the top to the okay. outside. All jokes aside, yeah. this match is awesome. Like this it is. is it's actually like it's really, really fun. good. Yeah. Like, Believe it or not, Quinn, the guy who back on episode eighty pushed hard for this show to get into Death Valley, and, yeah. and rightfully so. I mean, it's not its very existence good. is questionable. Yeah, it, it really doesn't make any sense for its existence. But I will say, Quinn and I were both very into and happy with this match here. Now, mind you, this I'm is minding. only like episode five six or five, five. Yeah, that this ever happens so yes you know how wdf is like where they like turn it up the first few episodes oh yeah, yeah. and then it gets crappy after yeah, that yeah I know. exactly <laughs> so i'm not gonna like act like super because this is this is fucking weird that this exists in the first place. I know. The alternate, like, cast of characters. <laughs> it's very strange. So we get another flying head scissors by Mini inside. And Torito misses a splash in the corner. And Max with a top rope. 
you guessed it, head scissors. Yeah. And then a crucifix gets the win for Minnie, and you had a very good question, Quinn. Why was this on again? I don't know. Like, it's I, a weird show. Yeah, I don't know. It wasn't even on a year, I don't think. Yeah. It's just strange that yeah. they had this show. Like, I don't know if they were trying to get people that only liked Mexican wrestling to now like the WWF, or if they were trying to get WWF fans to like CMLL and, and AAA and stuff like that. Well, you know what I'm saying? Honestly, to me, if yeah. you're really going to do this, right? Yeah. You need to have, like, whoever the hell they decide is, like, the Mexican headliner to, like, beat The Rock yeah, or, sure. like, just anybody, know, but, yeah. like, on Super Astros or something, just yeah, okay. to, like, establish, like, oh, these guys are, like, The Rock in Austin, you know? In all seriousness, you know, Raw was doing millions of people at this time. How many people do you really think watch this? A hundred thousand at well, the most? A couple hundred thousand? Here's the, here's the problem, Joe. What rating did this get? This was, if I remember correctly, this is on, like, Saturday at, like, two in the afternoon or something. Here, when, anyway. Like, yeah, when, like, people Sundays. were not home, like, they're doing shit on the weekend. They're mowing their lawns. Yeah. It, it's literally, like, that time of the day. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like the mowing the lawn portion of the day. <laughs> it's I understand it's December, but, like... Well, they're nobody, mowing their snow. <laughs> nobody wants to fucking do that anyway. Like, nobody <laughs> nobody wants to watch this, is my point. <laughs> like, they want to go watch, like, um one of those weird shows with Kelly Kapowski as a spy or some yeah, shit, if no. they're going to watch something on TV. Good callback. Yeah. So Marcelo is back, but now he's got a Santa hat on in addition to his red shirt. Quinn. Yes, this is the, so this is the Christmas episode. So yes, it is. We December have to 20th. end on a Christmas note. That's here. right. Navidad, actually. Yeah, Feliz, Feliz Navidad. Navidad. Sorry. So he's happy about Minimax. He's so excited that Minimax won. And then he gives us, throws us to the announcers, you know, Spinach, yeah. Carlos Cabrera. Spinach, Cabrera, and uh, Maria. Maria's there. They all have Santa hats on, yeah. too, by the way. And uh, Max Minis are standing on the table. <laughs> right, because he has to make Maria feel like I'm a big man. Yeah, his career's know? in new heights yeah. right now. And uh, so, uh, he gives her a present, and then we never find out. She kisses him. Okay. We don't find out what the present they is. They can't tell us what the present is. Do we Can, find out next week? Could it, well, like a little shoe or something. Like I, I don't know. Just some like like a joke gift. Like yeah. they could they could have had fun with that. Or it could have been something like maybe he's a trickster and it was like one of those like spring snakes and it like pops out at that's what you want it to be? You know, something like that. Would yeah. that be funny to you? Well, to me it would fit it would, be funny it would to fit you. the mini max character over here. He's like a jokester? Yeah. Okay. Min Max over here. So, uh, copyright 1998, the Retros Reservados. Yeah, not, not, yeah. <laughs> All rights reserved. Be specific. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we finally did an episode of Super Astros. Right. Superstars. Half hour show was on uh, Univision and other, I guess, maybe Spanish language thing. I'm not sure if it was only on Univision or what. It's a cable channel. I mean, we got it here. For me, the, Univision was not. It wasn't like cable. It was like in the, it was like channel six or something. Oh, you know what? You're right. It was actually UHF chat. It was actually the signal was in Sea Caucus. Right. Yeah. I think it came from. Because I remember that. I think it was like on channel six or whatever the hell it was like in the Philly, New Jersey yeah. area. You know what I'm talking about? I know where there's mean. like this division of channels. You ever been to Sea Caucus? I've been through there. <laughs> so overall, Quinn, the point of the show notwithstanding because yeah. i don't know what they were trying to capitalize on real i really don't i really don't know what the aim of this is no like at all but as a standalone show that you and i just watched it's not bad as one episode <laughs> ever i don't know maybe we like picked a really good one because there's like the cutesy like 
horns up Don's yeah. butt, and like, <laughs> and like, Felipe gets the gift at the end, and yeah. they're wearing Santa hats. And, and it was like, a good match. It's good a match. It's a very festive episode. Like, it was in all serious, like it actually hits the game. It even has the. We didn't even mention what? that the the scratch oh, the logo's bug, got yeah. the, the the bug in the corner. It has the like the, the wreath, the wreath around <laughs> yeah, it. It was yeah, nice. yeah. It's really nice. So I'd have to say, uh, very nice. Um, what do you, what do you think? Like a normal episode of this is usually like. Though? It's probably the same. I think it's probably just like a jam packed. Like Marcel is in there, like oh amigos, you know, <laughs> vamos, vamos, and, and all that. I was upset by the way that he didn't like join them at the Christmas. I know end. he like, should have been there. Yeah, he's loser. part of their crew. He is. He's part. Of, that's probably their the whole crew. Yeah, <laughs> is those four the yeah. two announcers, the host or whatever. Yeah, Maria and uh, Marcelo. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> folks, thanks so much for being part of our crew as we wrap up yet another episode of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. We of course will be back next week. No Filippo next week, but don't worry, he'll be coming back in a yeah. few months once he gets another visa to come into the right. country. But folks, thanks so much for being with us. We hope you enjoyed episode number eighty five. And until next time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can email us or, of course, join the group if you haven't yet. You can donate at patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But until next time, hasta luego. I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn. And we are saying so long. Feliz Navidad. Donde tenemos las mejores emociones para ustedes. ¿Qué les pareció el combate la semana pasada? Al final del programa, sorprendente, ¿verdad? Porque nadie imaginó que el recio José Estrada iba a subir al cuadrilátero a respaldar a Apolo Dantes y muchísimo menos que el hijo del santo lo iba a hacer con el negro Casas. Pero gracias a esa disputa, hoy aquí en Los Superastros nos complacemos en presentar, oígase bien, en exclusiva, nuestro primer combate en parejas. ¿Qué pasará? Son cuatro adversarios muy, muy difíciles. Yo no me pierdo ese combate. Quiero ir a la acción. Quiero ir a la lucha. Vamos con Carlos, Hugo, Minimax y, 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 y María. Vamos, vamos, vamos al combate, muchacho. Uh, 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 uh. Basta, basta, basta. basta, basta, basta.